1: Talk comic. It is Wednesday, April 3rd, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am in the house with Steve Say. Yo. Mr. Bob Ryer, Hola. And rejoining us, reunited, and it feels so good, <laughs> Stephanie <laughs> Cook.
2: I am Bach. <laughs>
0: I
1: hey, what? Arnold. <laughs> yeah. Well, Stephanie, welcome back. You've had a busy, busy couple of weeks um how was uh fable con
2: <laughs> um you know had as you asked me like before how things were going i'd be like i hate this running a convention is ridiculous i don't recommend it for anyone and like it's weird because now after it's done i'm like i'm so glad we did this i never <laughs> want to do it again but i'm so glad we did this mm-hmm. so um it went really well according to a lot of people and press releases we had like official fables pool party at like 11 o'clock at night this guy like dressed up as like cthulhu came and was just
3: chilling (laughs) as as he would i guess yeah
2: yeah like you like you do and um we stole a beach ball from a child and played with that all night that's partially true this little kid was like playing in the pool and because we couldn't kick anyone out and we kind of just started playing with this ball and then her mom was like, we need to go to bed. You guys just keep that.
3: <laughs> so just scared by Cthulhu, I bet. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it was really, really good. And I, I was on my very first panel.
3: Oh, how did that go? Oh, congratulations.
2: And people showed up. <laughs> I was like, what?
3: <laughs> In what, what capacity were you on the
0: panel? Like, what were you there for? Um,
2: I was the, like, it was my panel. So I was moderating it and, running everything but it was um called hashtag intervention and it was a social media panel Ooh. <laughs> mm-hmm. i had like such lovely people as allison baker from monkey brain um i had peter kraus uh, uh who else brian glass who does uh, mice templar and anthony adele cole from kill shakespeare and it went really well i had the biggest room and like 100 more people showed up than i thought they would because awesome. Bill, I, I'll tell you this part, and then I'll, you know, let us move on. But yeah, so Bill decided to, you know, give me this big debut for my panel. And he was like, oh, you're going to do so good, blah, 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 blah. And I'm looking at the programming, and he's put me up against his panel, Oh, a big, a big announcement. And that's what it's called, the big announcement panel. Oh, God. And <laughs> I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Really, Bill? And he was like, What? So basically for his big announcement, though, like I kind of had all the images for that big announcement. It was he's basically working on a project with Frank Cho, but I had all the pretty things. So I just went Mm. around the bar the whole night and told people that if they come came to my panel, I would show them pictures.
1: Nice. Nice. I like it.
3: Wiley.
2: Yeah. Um, a vengeful assistant. Yeah, I was
3: just going to say that's the knife in the back.
2: (laughs) It's okay. He knew he was like he kind of laughed and was like. All right, touche. <laughs> Fair enough. Mm. So that happened,
1: and uh, not there, but in, I think last week, right? Uh, Telltale finally unveiled what the Fables game is. Actually,
2: yeah, that actually happened. The all the information started at FablesCon. Con. Okay. Um, they didn't announce the title, but um, the game's gonna be The Wolf Among Us,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it looks really, really cool, Richard. Igo, Igo, um, from Telltale came to FablesCon and did a whole panel about the game and gave people um, a sneak preview and did a trailer, like not a full trailer, but just kind of like gameplay and um, stills and talked about what it would be and what it wouldn't be and gave away some information to people who were lucky enough to be there.
0: Could you tell us a little bit? I'm curious. (laughs) Is it an RPG? Is it action?
2: It's going to be very similar to what The Walking Dead was in the sense that kind of like every action has a consequence and cool. um it'll come back to kind of haunt you later and it's actually canon to the fable series. So it's a prequel I believe. Um but everything that happens in the game is actually tied into the series. And um yeah, it's really really it's really cool. They've <sighs> um let's see what else is there to say about yes, it. You play
1: as Bigby, right? Yeah,
2: you play yeah. as Bigby as mm-hmm. far as I know and um
1: yeah.
2: I don't honestly know too much about it other than what they've kind of talked about, but mm-hmm. it sort of takes place before, um, like, Snow White is, like, the head honcho. Um, well, not the head honcho, but, like, Ichabod Grain is still there, and um, I, I don't know. There's a lot of – IGN did a really good write-up about it, and, uh yeah. I'm not making any sense.
1: No, it's okay. <laughs> no, it seems like uh, really exciting. If it, if it's anywhere near the quality of uh, the Walking Dead game they did last year, it will be it'll be pretty awesome. Well,
2: yeah, they're totally using that not as a model, but they're trying to take like the bits of that that were really successful and mm-hmm. put that into the Fables game, and then kind of add on to it. It's going to be released in episodes, like the Walking Dead was. Right. Yeah. So. Be awesome. um,
1: yeah. I'm excited for that. It's funny because they can't, <laughs> they can't call it Fables, right? Because of Microsoft, because of Fable. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, they can't call it that. So they have. To, that's why they had to come with their name for it. I mean, but it, whatever, it doesn't matter. But yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah, I think I like it better as this, mm-hmm. like the Wolf Among Us. It kind of separates. I mean, it's not separate from Fables, but I think it gives you kind of. Just a sense that this isn't based off of the comics. It's a new experience that's tied into the comics.
0: Right. Right. Is uh, is Bill scripting the game?
2: Um, it's. You know what? I don't believe he did any of like the scripting, but he's basically like a, as far as I know, a consultant on mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So, um, like his spinoff stuff, like Ferris and Jack of Fables, he didn't necessarily well, at least with Ferris, sorry, for the stuff that he didn't directly write, he consults on it.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And same with the script. Like he goes through everything and kind of makes sure that um, there's no discrepancies with the actual story and uh, kind of looks for things that's like, "Mm, this character wouldn't really do anything like that Mm -hmm. and just calls it out. But he says that they're really big fans there and Richard from Telltale said the same thing and Bill so far hasn't been able to, find anything to change because they've been so good at researching everything so I'm really excited to see what they've come up with Um, it looks really really cool and they've done a really cool job of bringing um, Babeltown to life
1: cool awesome I'm really excited about that really Mm. really excited about about playing that Um, indeed speaking of video games Stephanie you were telling me today you've been playing uh, a mess ton of video games
2: Ah, yeah (laughs) it's been so long (laughs) Uh, yeah I picked up I picked up Gears of War Judgment and Mm -hmm. I picked up Bioshock Infinite as soon as I got back from Mm -hmm. Minnesota and I did my geek trivia thing. So once that was over with, I was like, this is my reward. I am not moving from (laughs) my bed for like the entire weekend and I'm just going to play video games. And Mm -hmm. both of them are freaking amazing.
1: Um, I, the I the idea behind Gears of War of Judgment is is really cool. I was kind of not really interested in in playing it, but then the idea that it's like this kind of they're all flashbacks told through this testimony, right? Mm-hmm. That the, the characters yeah. are giving. I think that's really interesting.
2: It is really cool. I wasn't, you know, I've ever since I stopped doing sort of new stuff, I haven't been as in the loop with what's coming out as far as video games, mm-hmm. and. I knew I was going to buy it because I love Gears of War, but I had no idea what I was getting into, and it was so awesome. And you get to play as Baird and Cole and woo, yeah, <laughs> woo. <laughs> and there's a couple other new characters, and I had so much fun playing it.
3: Um, Cauldre baby.
2: I also picked up Tomb Raider today, so yeah, Five dollars, yeah, five
1: bucks, yeah.
2: So
0: for man, how much?
1: Five for bucks.
2: Five dollars. Five
1: dollars. You got to follow her on Twitter, guys. Come on. <laughs> How the hell did you get it for five bucks?
2: Well, I found all these crappy games that I didn't want anymore. Oh, so you traded oh, cool. stuff
0: in, yeah. and you only ended up paying $5 yeah, cash but or were credit? they were like
2: really stupid games. Like, I had <laughs> Brutal Legend. And oh, well, then Fred I paid nothing for 99 mine. <laughs> oh, wow. And I traded them in, and they gave me a 30% upgrade for trading it directly to Tomb Raider. So mm-hmm. I wound up paying $5 because Tomb Raider happened to be on sale, too. Awesome, so. awesome.
0: Yeah. I hope you love it. I absolutely love it. And I, I, I told you on Twitter, I am totally, totally in love with Bioshock in the second half. It gets so much better. And I know you said it was awesome from the start. It really it was. It was a rocky start for me. <laughs> I, I didn't I it took me a long time to adjust to the openness and the new atmosphere of the game. Mm-hmm. Um but once you hit that halfway point and you you move into the second part of the game, it is ridiculously good.
1: Yeah, I've been. Uh, I got it, and I've been playing it. I played for like four hours. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And don't worry, anybody who's listening, we're not going to spoil anything. Uh. Because this is a game where you you really you don't want to give anything away because the story is so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, the atmosphere of it is amazing. Like, you. Uh, I just want to walk around and look at everything. You yeah. will. You do you know, a lot but, of that. Yeah, and that's what I'm doing though. I'm like literally spending extra time in rooms just because I want to see like well, what's oh, going yeah. on in this nook and cranny. What's this poster? You know, what are these mm-hmm. people saying over in this corner? And it, it's just it, it, it's. It's got this cool thing because, like, it's scary, like, in a way, but it's not a horror game, but there is, it's so intense, especially at the beginning when you're making your way. Yeah, the atmosphere of it. When you're making your way to the the Columbia, which is this floating city in the sky, that scene where you're kind of coming up the tower and taking the elevator up is, like, really intense, you know, and I was, Mm -hmm. I found myself, you know, kind of shaken by it, but I just, I just got to the point where I've uh, gotten the companion Elizabeth with me, so I'm, sorry, but it's... We we hmm. talked about it on Family Remix like three years ago, yeah. <laughs> when it first got announced, uh, and it, it's great. I have one word it's, for you: haircut. <laughs> uh,
2: well, I think like um, a lot of people weren't sure what to expect because it took us out of rapture, mm-hmm. and people were, loved the underwater city thing. And um, people were like, "Oh, it's not going to be as creepy." But in a lot of ways, I think this one's just as creepy, if not creepier. There's just like so many people that. Uh, help set the tone of the world and the things that they do and the things that they say you are yeah. just like, whoa, this is weird. I'm getting like heebie-jeebies. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's one of those things where it's almost, instead of like the dark, dank, like, oh, a mystery at every corner, it's these it's bright, beautiful world with these happy people saying the most despicable things you could ever mm. imagine in your entire oh. life. You know? It, and uh, like,
2: the skylines are terrifying at times. Yeah. Again, I'm not going to spoil it, but, like, basically, you've seen in the trailers, you have this, like, skyhook thing. Yeah, which is awesome. And But, like, you jump, and you're jumping over a sky, <laughs> and you're, like, flying towards this thing, trying to, you know, like, latch onto it. And I won't say any more than that, but if you are, like, scared of heights, there are genuine moments when you could be, like, holy shit.
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: It's so intense.
1: Yeah, it's really intense. and I'm looking forward to powering through it a little bit more. But let's move on from talking about video games, talking about some comic book stuff. Uh, really quick, so, some news. We had a couple uh, big Spider-Man news already happen. Uh, they announced today, I believe, or Tuesday, uh, <laughs> uh, Superior Foes of Spider-Man, a new uh, monthly book written by Nick Spencer with art by Steve Lieber. Ooh. Um and it's basically focusing on the new Sinister Six that they established in I think it was issue two of Superior Spider-Man. It was it was in two one or of those three, one two or three one of those, um, you know. So it's he says Spencer says this is a book about the working class guys. These are not the kingpins or Green Goblins or Doc Ock's of the world. These are the small time crooks looking for a quick score so they can pay their alimony and get the loan shark off their back. <laughs> um, and so apparently a lot of the book is from uh, boomerangs. Uh, perspective: the, the new Sinister Six is Boomerang, Shocker, Speed Demon, uh, The New Beetle, and Overdrive. So, <laughs> new book from Nick Spencer, art by Steve Lieber. Uh, it sounds like a pretty cool book, you know, yeah. um, different. I'm not always really into villain books so much, um, but if they can bring a cool twist to it, I'd definitely be up uh, uh, for reading it. Stephanie, have you seen Nick Spencer's name on this book? Does that interest you in checking it out?
2: Uh, a little bit. I, at this point in time, Nick Spencer's sort of hit and miss for me as far as following a creator goes. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd definitely check it out for the first issue, though, and go from there. Mm
1: -hmm. Cool.
3: Cool. What do you think, Bob? (laughs) Uh, I like villain books if Mm -hmm. they're done well. My concern would be how superior will they be as we move into your next news story?
1: Right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Steve, what do you think of this? Um, I like Nick Spencer a lot. I'm really enjoying uh, Secret Avengers. Mm -hmm. And I love Morning Glories. So, um, and I just, I think I just recently purchased Infinite Vacation of his. Okay. Uh,
3: so. Chevy Chase is in it? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He'll be in the new one, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'll, uh, I'll definitely give it a first issue and check it out. Um, I'm also not always into the villain books, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I tend to follow creators. So
1: we'll, we'll see. Yeah. And what Bob was alluding to before is also, um, the, uh, I guess the solicits for Superior Spider-Man mm-hmm. number nine came out and the title is Superior No More. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it does it, again, these, this does not say what's actually going to mm-hmm. happen, uh, but it does say in May that it's going to kind of, all this stuff is going to come to a head. All the stuff that's been boiling in Superior Spider-Man is going to come to a head. Awesome. Um, nice pun, far- by the way. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> if you've seen the cover, it's yeah. like, it's Spider-Man with his, his, basically the top of his head off and just his brain. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a cool cover. Uh, and Ryan Stegman is back uh, for this. You no, know, the question is, Steve, you've been loving Superior Spider-Man. Love it. Um, and I've been, since that first issue, once that first issue, we got past that, I've been I've been loving it as well. Um, if in issue number nine, uh, it's wrapped up, Ock is back to being wherever he is, or he's dead, or whatever's going to happen, and Peter is back instilled as Spider-Man, are you going to be happy with that? Or would you like to see it go on longer, the way it's going right now? Um, I, you know, I've said
0: it in every review that I've done for the book and I've been saying it all along. Um, I trust Dan Slott that he's had this, you know, he's had this in mind and he's had this scripted out for quite a while, mm-hmm. even before Marvel Now was a thing um, that he had. Uh, I'd had the pleasure of speaking with him at um, Comic-Con this past year, and he kind of clued Rob and I into a couple of things that I still have yet. I'm very proud of myself for not revealing <laughs> to people that I kind of know what's coming, because he, he told us quite a bit. Um, and I'm really excited for it. Uh, if they end it now, it's kind of one of those things where a lot of people are going to say, well, then what was the point? Mm-hmm. If it's only going... But that it's I, I, it's such a double-edged sword, because all the people that were complaining, now they're ending it, and you're going <laughs> to complain about them ending it. Right. So, uh, like I said, I believe that he has a plan And I believe in that plan. And um, quite frankly, I think he's done some really great things with the character. And I think that what he's, how the extremes that he's taken to the character already, I don't know how much farther you can take that before it becomes something you don't want to read. Mm -hmm. So I think that by the time that you got the point that he does the damage he needs to do, that you switch things up yet again. And we don't know what it means. Right. We don't know. I mean, it's all going to come to a head. That can mean in a lot of things. Yeah, no, absolutely. It doesn't yes. necessarily mean that Peter Parker comes back right now. Yeah. Um Superior no more. could just imply that, you know, in everyone's eyes, mm-hmm. Spider-Man is not who he's, who he's supposed to be anymore. Absolutely. Or who they believe him to be. Um, So he's not anybody. Now he's like an enemy of mm-hmm. the, of the nation or right. of the groups or whatever. So yeah, no, I mean, my my curiosity is peaked even more now. I've been loving the shit out of this book, Mm -hmm. so uh, I'm down.
1: Bob, as someone who's not reading it, what does this news kind of mean to you?
3: I've checked in here and there, right? Yeah, Uh, enjoyed it, Mm -hmm. loved it enough to start buying it. To me, these sort of events, as we were talking about Superman last week, it's about the aftermath. Right. How do? What's the reaction once you put it back? Mm -hmm. And maybe now he is the menace that Jonah. Right. Oh, he said he was, even though he isn't. He's back to Peter, but he isn't. What's yeah. that reaction, as Steve is Diva saying? And that could be as much fun as the change over itself. Right. This is change condition. Stephanie, have you read any Superior Spider Man?
2: No, I'm still making my way through the Amazing Spider Man oh, okay. stuff. Gotcha. A lot like the Marvel stuff, I'm trying to start a little while back before just hopping on with mm-hmm. the new stuff. So, like Hickman's Fantastic Four, and FF, or in those ranks. And then obviously, again, Amazing Spider Man. And then I'm going to check it out
1: okay cool i mean that totally makes sense absolutely yeah uh you know for me it's same thing see if i agree with you You said you know you don't know what this means like what it's going to mean is this just kind of his further fall from grace we know this you're fired kind of storyline is happening right now with him in the avengers so is this just kind of the fall from grace of spider-man in the public's eyes not necessarily you know peter taking it back over um Another book got announced, too, uh, by Marvel, which I'm not even going to talk about because I feel like it's this new Avengers book that's coming out. Um, uh, it's called Avengers AI, and if you want to look up what it is, I'd say go ahead. I feel uncomfortable talking about it because I didn't, cause it's almost like a spoiler for mm. an event that hasn't, hasn't, been, hasn't finished yet. Uh, for Age of Ultron it's spinning out of Age of Ultron when oh. it's over but there are characters they show and that that haven't been introduced yet or were just introduced and I don't I, I don't want to you know if people want to go seek it out I'd say go seek it out it seems like a cool idea to me and I'll definitely be up for uh, uh, checking it out but I just I, I don't want to really talk about it on the show too much because I don't if people are behind on Age of Ultron even a week like it really could spoil something for them and I don't want to do that to anybody um who who hasn't gotten there yet? I'm actually trying to look up the uh uh the creative team right now and I can't seem to find it but i will i will bring it up in, in a little bit um so i'm gonna skip over that um uh, the cool kind of the indie scene a little bit dark horse who obviously has brian woods uh oh, wow. spider man uh brian woods spider man brian woods star wars right now. Star so Wars Legacy is happening right now as well. They announced that they're doing another uh, a miniseries called The Star Wars, which is based on, <laughs> That's but it's based simple. It's yeah, based elegant. on uh, George Lucas's original first draft of the Star Wars uh, screenplay when things were um, uh, a lot different. You know, you know, Anakin, Star Killer, and, and, and stuff like that. Um, taken directly from mm-hmm. that, um, this is from Dark Horse. They said while researching in the Lucasfilm archives. Um, found many treasures, but one which truly astounded me was George's rough draft for the Star Wars. His first complete imaginings were hallucinating to read, mind-blowing. Uh, while working with George on another book project, I once asked if we could adapt his rough draft. He was hesitant. Years later, with Dark Horse's invaluable help, we showed him a few drawn and colored pages of what it might look like, and he gave us his okay. That's uh, uh, Lucas Books editor, J.W. Rinsler, is adapting the screenplay, and Mark Mayhew, Mike Mayhew is doing the visuals.
2: It's actually shocking to me that they had to get it as okay. It seems like anything where he's going to get money is just okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, to clarify, the Avengers AI, which, holy crap, spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Like, right on the cover. Yeah, that's why I don't want to talk about it. Um, it. Will be written by Sam Humphreys, right. and the artist will be Andre Lima
1: Arajo. Okay. So, cool. there you go. Um, that's good. Uh, yeah, I, and again, guys, if you want to see what it is, go ahead and see it. But I don't want to talk about what the book is or anything, because it, it really is... It, it, it's really, I mean, it's not weird what we've experienced the last couple months with this yeah. stuff, but it's like, you know, you're in the middle of an event right now. I understand you want to you advertise for a book that you've got coming out right before this ends, because it's not that far away, because it's coming out every week, but still, I mean, there's a huge revelation in the third issue that just happened. And it's right on the cover. It's on the cover <laughs> of this book, so that's what I want to tell people if they're even like, oh, maybe I'll just check it out. If you don't want to get spoiled on Age of Ultron, a big reveal, don't look at the cover of Avengers AI,
3: yeah, you've got a couple of months for AI to come out, so just yeah. wait,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, but about this, the, the Star Wars thing, I think it's a cool idea, uh, it's something we haven't seen yet, you know. Um, I, I don't know how good of a writer JW uh, Rinsler is, you know, obviously. Um, but the idea of it, it seems to me like it's a cool way to see more of this universe mm-hmm. that we haven't seen yet, and it in no way affects continuity or.
3: You know, anything like that. It's a
0: parallel Star Wars universe. Yeah, absolutely. Star Wars Earth 2.
3: <laughs> Shh, don't say that out loud. You'll get an idea. Um,
1: Shh, you want to get sued? <laughs> on the movie front, uh, at WonderCon this weekend, Guillermo del Toro was talking more about his Justice League Dark movie. Yes. Um, and he talked about, you know, the way that characters would be depicted and kind of what characters are there. And he said, um, in the film, in the film, the character of Swamp Thing will have uh, found peace with who he is. Uh... The character of Jason Blood, Etrigan, the demon's human half, will have a will have been a knight of Camelot. Dead man will be searching for the man who shot him, and the origin of the team in the film will be doled out throughout the film's running time, as opposed to front-loading it. And according to Del Toro, John Constantine will lead the film's team of monsters and magicians, um, and the character will have blonde hair, unlike the version <laughs> of the character played by Keanu Reeves in two thousand five's Constantine. Whoa. Um, you know, this is not his next film. His next film is uh, a horror movie called Crimson Peak, but after he's done with that justly dark will be his next movie Bob, what do you think he
3: does describe it as being fun yeah he does. despite all the darkness and again mm-hmm. if you've seen what he does with hellboy he can do this balance very you'll have creepy stuff being really creepy mm-hmm. and it will get lightened up here and there'll be some snarky stuff and i can't wait i'm a big fan of mr del Toro. yeah
1: i mean i'm really excited too. we've talked about it a little bit before but this mm-hmm. is just cool where it seems more and more like it's real and if you listen to uh Batman on Batman, uh, the Kevin Smith podcast, Jeff Johns was on there, and he talks about uh, meeting with Del Toro and, and stuff about the movie. So,
0: I'm excited to have another uh, quality DC film yeah. <laughs>
1: in, in the world yeah. outside of Batman. Absolutely, absolutely.
3: Maybe they'll put him on Justice League somewhere for 2018. <laughs> yeah, whatever.
1: It's 2025. We'll get a Justice League movie. <laughs> uh, Stephanie, what do you think about this?
2: Um when we talked about this before, I'm pretty sure I mentioned that I was excited for this. Mm. I mean Guillermo Del Toro superheroes is kind of totally right up my alley. So mm-hmm. even if it was something that I wasn't interested in as far as heroes go, I would still check this out because of, you know, Del Toro. Very
1: yes, absolutely. I mean I absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um in uh in kind of just really cool news, um, there's going to be a crossover event between Dave Stevens' Rocketeer and Will Eisner's Spirit um, at IDW. Um, Rocketeer Spirit Pulp Friction is the, name of the, is the name of the book, and it's written by Mark Wade and drawn yes. by Paul Smith. Bob, what do you think about this?
3: Very psyched. Mark Wade's take on the Rocketeer was, was pretty amazing. Not that what's going on now is Roger mm-hmm. Landridge, isn't, isn't it? Langridge, I <laughs> mangled that. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, but and the spirit? Yeah, I'm not so familiar with Paul Smith, mm-hmm. but it, uh, Eisner is a very specific art style, and I wonder what they're going to try, an amalgam of the two different ones or do what they're doing with the Rocketeer and go somewhere completely different. But right. The spirit, forgetting that horrible movie, <laughs> is uh, uh, rain-glisteny streets and, and uh, oddball angles-up fire escapes and strange cityscapes... Uh, it's a little darker world than Cliff is used to, yeah. but if there's anyone who can pull this off, it's Mark Wade. So I think uh,
0: Joey Esposito tweeted out the other night that The Spirit is his favorite horrible movie.
1: Oh, really? Yeah.
3: <laughs> I can't get past about ten minutes. I've fallen asleep yeah, five times same. already.
2: I've never even
1: tried.
0: I've never oh. seen it.
2: I've tried and I've failed in watching it. But to be fair, it failed in you know existing. But
3: yeah. Mm. And, and sadly, when you heard, you heard that announced. Frank Miller, Sin City, mm-hmm. Will Eisner's spirit. It's a match made in heaven. It should oh, be great.
0: wait a minute.
3: Yeah, that movie. Oh, God.
0: Yeah. No, right. I did watch that. <laughs> I watched about maybe 40 minutes of it, and then I turned it off.
2: You oh, are was, a champ. You uh, made yeah. it 30 minutes past Bob and I. Oh, <laughs> it was terrible.
0: I didn't yes. like it at all.
2: No. no. Okay. As you shouldn't. <laughs>
0: no, but then what the hell was I thinking of? I think of the Shadow Possibly. With Alec Baldwin or one of those. That's much the, better. <laughs> that's much better. You know what I like? Dark Man. Dark Man's awesome. I Darkman, just watched that recently Dark Man Awesome. Don't look at me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so even with your dislike of the movie, Stephanie, would you be up for a Mark Wade Rocketeer Spirit comic book? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What? Silly. They also
3: announced for us old timers a new Thunder Agent series done from Wally Woods originals not the thing that DC just mangled.
1: Yeah, 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 I know. It was it was confusing to me because I read a couple issues of the Thunder Agents uh over at DC, which I believe was Nick Spencer was yeah. doing it. Um, I only read one issue of it, but, uh, yeah, so I was confused and it wasn't a DC book.
3: Yuck. It, it, it was Tower Comics back in the 60s and Wally Wood who worked for EC and they did Daredevil at Marvel, mm-hmm. did lots of great stuff. They came up with these superheroes and there were sort of spies. It was a man from Uncle James Bond thing, but with superpowers mm-hmm. and just an amazing book. It only ran 20 issues. They're very hard to find, or at least they were. Yeah. DC somehow acquired the rights to do archives, but they've been... Public Domain and Lawsuit Hell for Years. Mm -hmm. There are eight different Thunder Agents, oddball books from different companies. Gotcha. You want to look for the ones that are called sort of Wally Woods Thunder Agents. George Perez did some. Jerry Ordway's done some. Mm -hmm. This is looking pretty good. Ordway's going to do some covers for this, from what I've read. And they're going to go right to try to have it look like Wally Woods art, which is very much... If people love The Rocketeer, what that looks like, Dave Stevens is very much a Wally Wood disciple. So it's that sort of beautiful, realistic, but yet cartoony at the same time.
1: Cool. Interesting. I didn't, I didn't know any of that. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's good to hear. <laughs> um, in slightly sad news, uh, Bruce, Tim is stepping down as supervising producer, uh-huh. uh, for WB animation to pursue his own projects. Um, but James Tucker, who has been there for a long time, he did Batman brave and the bold and, uh, he's been working on in that department for a very long time is, is taking over. Um, there's some quotes here, uh, uh Tucker said Bruce has done a lot since Justice League Unlimited ended so it's been quite a haul. I can't speak for him but I think going out on Dark Knight Returns was a special thing for him. If he was going to make the break that seemed like a good time. Um, and he talked about his plans for the future, the plans for the DC animation. Um, I'd love to use more of a variety of characters, but that's something I don't have control over. Uh, granted, Dark Knight Returns was a, was a long overdue to be adapted, and I'm glad they did it and did it superbly. But beyond that, I'm not really interested in replicating image by image, word for word, something that was in a comic book, because you can't replicate that experience or feeling. You're basically getting a secondary experience, so you have to make it your own in order to make it work as a movie creating films in which people are going to go through it with a checklist saying, okay, they took that out, they took that out. I'm not interested in doing anything, that, like, anything like that. I have a feeling when we announce the next slate of movies, people are going to be very excited because we will be using uh, Batman, Superman, and Justice League as a gateway to exposing other characters. Um,
3: so there we go. That sounds like a really nice way of saying they were making me do something I didn't want to do anymore
1: um well no that wasn't that was that was tucker that wasn't that wasn't bruce tim uh he's saying that he wants to do other characters but it's not really up to him um i think what he wants to do is more stuff like the wonder woman movie which isn't directly based on any Mm. any certain arc or comic book and and, you know do things that are in the full spirit of the characters but don't necessarily have to be held up to a microscope as to you know is is this plot line in there is this character in there
3: well, Just whatever. sort of the same thing I said, but not exactly. I, they should put him in charge of the real movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Failing that, Marvel should hire him instantly to fix their animated ones because they're generally miserable.
1: Yeah, they their animation department really hasn't gotten themselves together. I mean, we'll see what happens. I think this year is going to be a big difference for them, Marvel at least, because this is the first year I think fully under the control of. Uh, Jeff Loeb, for better or for worse, mm-hmm. whatever, that, whatever that's going to mean. I mean, the, the animated slate of shows is going to be all him now. You oh, know, okay. Ultimate Spider-Man, Hulk Agents of Smash, which uh, Paul Dini is, is working on, um, and the New Avengers Assemble uh, show. So there's a lot of stuff coming out from them, so we'll see what happens there. Because he's the head of their whole television uh, department. So we'll see what happens there. Um, and finally, uh, last Wednesday... Uh, the it happens Wolver- on Wednesday all the time. the Wolverine trailer uh premiered, and uh you know uh one of our loyal facebook uh listeners Robert Gall wanted us to talk about it and of course uh w- we're going to talk about it um Bob first impressions of that trailer
3: I loved both of them. I watched both the international Inter- yeah. and the other one the international one international one's a little longer yeah, but I think there are more plot points in the American one mm. uh We have Wolverine being vulnerable. We have some real danger he finds himself in. Some great-looking stunt work. I caught a glimpse of Jean Grey.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: So my understanding: this is the sequel to.
1: It's after all the X Men movies, so it's been it's all the X movies already been done, so it's not a prequel anymore. Technically, I guess would come after X Men Three. Yeah. Uh, I think it looks cool. I think that I think that they suffer from the fact that they don't because of like the kind of stripped down no costume nature of all this stuff they suffer from no iconography you know it's just Hugh Jackman in a suit most Mm -hmm. of the time you know and I know when it happens it's gonna be cool but it's just a guy wearing a suit to me you know you don't you don't get those big colors and and those kind Mm -hmm. of um you know iconic uh moments to it uh I think the action looks cool. I I don't know how psyched I am about another like um want to get rid of my powers. Once I get rid of them, I realize I really need them. Story, mm-hmm. you know. Um that's what the trailer looks like. It, I don't know if that necessarily what the, it's going to be all the way through, but that story I don't get excited for. Uh I like the people in it and I like uh the director, so I'm excited for it, but I think the international trailer is better. Um but, you know, I, I di- it didn't blow me away. That was the only thing about it. Uh, Stephanie, did you see the trailer?
2: I've been under a rock for a few <laughs> days. I didn't know that there was a trailer released. Yes. Like, you said it, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to try and Google it, but I didn't think I had enough time to look it up and then, you know, watch it and then be like, why, yes, it the was rock, lovely. It was great. <laughs> hmm. cool. bip, bip.
1: Well, you can watch why, it in the break, pip, and pip. then you, when we come back from the break, you can tell people what you think of it deal all right Steve what did, what did you think of it uh I am actually going to echo your thoughts on it almost
0: exactly mm-hmm. uh if I'm being completely honest it didn't excite me I watched both trailers uh inside the comic shop last week and I was just kind of like yeah all right I mean I'm excited for all comic book movies right no matter what it is I just there's some, you know, there's some of the best things coming out. Some of the most entertaining films that we've seen in the last year or so have been comic book movies. But I, I'm not too crazy. First of all, I'm not in love with Hugh Jackman as Wolverine and the character in general. He's just not my favorite comic book character. Um, I don't like the idea of seeing a Wolverine movie where, for maybe more than half the film, he doesn't have his powers or they take them away mm-hmm. and he uh, he can't heal and he can't I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I, I really I I need more. I need a little bit more. The story like you said, the story's not really doing it for me. I like the director. Um some of the other people that are some of the little things they hinted at. It's funny th- some of the things that they kind of left to mystery in the trailer almost appealed to me a lot more than the overall feeling that they tried to give you with all the action and him leaping at the camera in like the classic Wolverine pose. Like Mm. there's one point where he's on a train Mm -hmm. and he leaps forward off of the train and that forward view of him coming at you with his claws, I've seen that on like a thousand different Wolverine comics in Mm -hmm. the past. Um, So for little things like that, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, I just, I don't know. I'm kind of lukewarm on it. So that's my shitty
1: opinion. <laughs> it's not a Shitty opinion. I, no. I honestly, I just, I know they're probably never gonna do it. I just want to see him in the freaking yellow costume. I just want to see it once. You know, even if it's like a flashback or it's like a, you know, you know, it's like a joke. I just want to see it happen once. Maybe in future. And pairs. and
2: he has to at the same time be like, I smell him.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see that that Wolverine once. You know, I um, I I like Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, and I think that. He lo- I think he genuinely loves the character. So uh, I will take that. It- why else would he play it for this long? He's got many other things he could do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, At this point, I don't think he even he doesn't need Wolverine anymore. Um, but he keeps coming back to it because I think he loves it. And so that gives me hope. Um, or he's poor. He- yeah, he's definitely not poor. <laughs> I think the robot movie <laughs> don't know. ruined him for me. He's definitely not poor. Stephanie, he come on. might be. <laughs> what? Where? What would? What would give you that idea? Well, why
2: we be walking
1: around with hobo <laughs> Wolverine? He can't get a proper mutton chop cut. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's got to just let it grow. <laughs> yeah, he does.
1: Um. So yeah, that's our thoughts on the Wolverine trailer. Let us know what you guys think uh, at Talking Comics on Twitter, info at talkingcombooks.com dot com or um, Facebook dot com slash Talking Comics. Uh, but let's move on to our books of the week. Stephanie, why don't you start us out?
2: Oh, good grief. Well, I think there's a couple things that you were going to talk about um, because I've been kind of absorbed in playing Bioshock, but I read a ton of things. Um, So I think your comic was Rachel Rising, so I'll save that for... Well,
1: that's not my book of the week. I was definitely going to mention it, but if you want to talk about that, we can talk about that now.
2: Well, it's pretty rad in case you guys haven't heard from me or Bobby and (laughs) this issue... um, it's just one of those books where every single time I read it, it doesn't necessarily like there's like little cliffhangers and it's not one of those things where, Oh, I hate when they do this. I want more. <laughs> it's just so good that you want more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This issue and, is fucking intense too. Yeah,
2: yeah. And like, I'm so interested to see where they're going with all of this and what's going to happen. And cause everything's just up in the air and things are going crazy. And, um, I don't want to get into too much detail because I don't know how many of you are, in fact, reading this. You should tell us on Twitter and Facebook and stuff if you're actually reading this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just so much happens. And can the next issue now be out, please, now?
1: <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Kay. It's good. And it's, it's really long form storytelling, too, because we're about, what, was this issue 15, I guess, mm-hmm. that just came out? It's basically still one story. I really mm-hmm. wish that
0: you had had this physically and not digitally because <laughs> I'm dying to read it.
1: It's pretty awesome. I, I have
0: really wanna... physical
2: copies of Volume One and Two. And oh, I send them number...
0: to me. I'll send them back to you.
2: Yeah, the second one goes up to twelve, I believe. But actually, yeah. I think Terry Moore might be at New York Comic Con this year. Oh, but awesome! I'm not entirely sure. I'd have to look that up. But that's definitely like my book of the week. Mm-hmm. I also got around to reading lots of other stuff. Revival, which is still getting awesome, although truthfully, it's losing a bit of momentum for me right now. Um, Why is that? A lot of people. I don't know. Like, everybody was like, issue seven was crazy. There was, like, so much payoff. And I'm wondering what that payoff was because apparently I missed something. <laughs> like, I love hmm. it, but there were supposed to be answers. And I feel like I just don't know what everyone's on about because I didn't feel like anything significant really happened. And things are just staying sort of consistent. They're not really getting wah for me anymore and i really want them to
3: <laughs> get, get wah that. <laughs> okay. yeah okay now were there five <laughs> issues in the first trade or is it the full uh, six
1: yes yeah there's five okay. issues in the first trade
2: six so n- seven and eight are the latest
3: yeah okay. uh, so maybe issue Actually, 10 is
2: comes a- out today
1: no i don't think so no no because issue week? eight just came out last week yeah
2: okay okay okay
1: um,
2: yeah, yeah so, i Finally I, I read that. I'm still enjoying it. I just wish there was um it had much as much uh ah,
1: as, factor. Mm. Can I, yeah.
2: as the first uh, volume for me. Yeah. go
0: um, oh, on. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was looking up because I, I do this every week. Rachel Rising, volume one on Amazon. Not that this is the only place you can get it, but New or used, $96.02.
1: It's obviously out of stock. It's obviously Um, out of stock. Yeah, I know, I know. But Rachel
0: Rising, Volume (laughs) 2, $48.99. But for all of you who who have listened to us talk ad nauseum about Saga, $5.55, brand new, on Amazon.com for the first uh, trade of okay, Saga. Shush!
2: Don't distract people from Rachel Rising. That's <laughs> I'm just horrible. people hey, can get it for ten dollars new at Chapters or Barnes and Noble. Dude,
0: five bucks! <laughs> you could reach into your couch and have Saga.
1: It's
2: it's yes, also. Yes, but uh, the point is, we want other people to support independent comics and even though it's expensive on amazon there are a lot of other ways to go find that yeah so don't be deterred by the fact that amazon has it for more terry moore does a lot of conventions and he's everywhere and has a really great website and saga is independent as well but saga is also published by image comics whereas terry moore is self-publishing rachel Mm -hmm. rising and yeah i think you guys need to you know if you're like well that's five dollars on amazon versus that too bad. Go spend your money on this because it that's not what I was saying. No, I'm not. But at the same time, mm-hmm. it, people are going to interpret it like that, and All don't right. choose between one or the other. You should be reading both.
0: I'm just getting the word
1: out. I know. Jeez. Um, but the thing about Rachel Rising is, if you don't mind getting it digitally, both the first two volumes, uh, they sell them you know in a lump, uh, you know on Comixology. And when I got them, I think volume one was six dollars. And volume two was $10, I think, digitally. Nice. So, you know, you can get all those issues for that much, and then you can catch up with the other ones there as well. It's definitely, definitely worth uh, the read. Um, and if you want to hunt down physical copies, I'm sure, like Stephanie said, you can probably go into a Barnes & Noble or something and find it. Or you look on eBay. You know, look in your mm. local comic stores, because they probably have stuff there that they just haven't sold, you know, because it's a kind of under-the-radar book. Yeah. Mm.
3: Until now that we talked about it. Yeah, well, good. I hope it gets sold more. <laughs>
2: <laughs> seriously it's so great yeah. and i think um uh joey esposito is a big fan of it as well so mm. yeah you know he's cool people so if you don't trust us trust him
1: <laughs> but also um, just trust us yeah well trust us
2: too but yeah. you can also trust us
1: well yeah no that's not the, that's not what I mean. yeah.
3: <laughs> no, trust I him don't trust joey <laughs> no trust him also <laughs> trust us first um yeah, exactly.
2: yeah i've read a bunch of other things i think we're all gonna get to most of them but i also picked up in other news that I don't think we're talking about. I also read Ape Sapien, which, oh. yeah, I, I just decided on a whim to check it out, and I kind of enjoyed it. The one I don't, that comes it, out
1: tomorrow? I mean, today?
2: Yes, I think
1: <laughs> yeah, <whatever>. so. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. I wasn't
2: really sure what, like, it's kind of setting things up for what's coming, but it was intriguing, and I think I would be interested to check out at least the second issue. And, um, yeah, read X Factor, got caught up with Two fifty-two and two fifty-three. They're still awesome.
3: Yep. <laughs> Hell on earth.
2: Mm-hmm. And uh I will pass the torch to someone else.
1: <laughs> Let's make that torch being passed to Steve. Hurrah. Okay. I'm sorry
2: for yelling at you, Steve. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I just don't want you to think that I was trying to make like the I wasn't stacking them up against one another in any way. I just we're always talking about how getting people onto books. That if they wanted to take advantage of the price, if that's the difference between them picking it up or not picking it up, that that particular book is available to them. But yes, by all means, like I should do, I should go out to a, you know, regular comic shop and go find myself, which I'm sure it's there, a copy and just pay, you know... Regular list price for Rachel Rising because I hear that it is totally worth it. It's
1: probably in uh, Rob's Shangri-La basement. (laughs) (laughs) Shangri-La. All
0: right, um, just a rundown really quick. uh, The I guess the season finale for Morning Glories uh, number twenty-five was awesome. Uh, Lots of things answered. Lots more questions. Mm -hmm. So Mm. that's very cool. Uh, La 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 la. Let's see. Uh, Dia de los Muertos, number two. That's absolutely, the sm- That's the smelly
3: book? Yeah, this is the, the book page. that
0: uh, is printed on real paper <laughs> that when you stick your nose in it and you smell it, it smells like, uh, I don't know, your grandparents' closet. It does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, it does not have that, that classic new video game or freshly opened action figure smell, no. which I'm, I'm a, a big, big fan of. So, enough about that. <laughs> um, but, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to get to my my big book of the week. Uh, East of West, number one. Uh, Jonathan Hickman and Nick Dragotta, uh, brand new series from those two. East of West is the story of basically the four horsemen um, come back to a very uh, like I guess dystopian world
1: future, right Bobby Yeah I mean it's it's told through multiple I think multiple timelines you're going on here you're seeing like yeah. the apocalypse timeline and you're seeing I think where the seeds of it are being laid right um, in in the past right. you picked out a date right?
3: Right, November ninth, nineteen oh eight, when they show a meteor falling, is the okay. date of the Tunguska explosion in Siberia that everyone <laughs> chats about. There, that, you go. So there you go. So that Mr. Hickman threw that in there is just kind of bizarre. Right. Yeah.
0: So you've got you got war, pestilence, and conquest. They come back, and there's supposed to be a fourth, who is death. Mm-hmm. Death is missing. Yeah. Um, and of course, in true Hickman fashion, there are several timelines that. Um, don't really have all too much of a distinction between them. So if you're going to... I mean, they do, but this is one of those comics that you're going to have to read at least twice if you want to absorb it all, or like me, three or four times and still (laughs) not put all the pieces together. Uh, But what I really loved about this comic is it was... So the much like Saga, Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples, that they created a world or a universe that just felt very established and uh, you were comfortable within it right away. That's the immediate feeling that I got from East of West. Uh, I did not expect it to be what it was. Mm. Uh, this was one of those titles where I did no research. I just trusted the names that were on the front of the book and... I mean, quite frankly, I only had to wait about three or four months before it was released, so it wasn't really too, you know, too difficult mm-hmm. to be patient. But I was really surprised by it. It, it took on a, a weight for me that I was not expecting. The opening pages uh, in this where the, the, ch- the children of the, the children, four horsemen, three horsemen, whatever, um, just really, really pulled me right in. Uh, I just love the atmosphere. I love the the desert uh, sky with the the huge monolith of rocks and just this strange ritual that apparently every couple millennia they come back to evaluate the state of things and kind of just wipe the slate clean and they're missing one of their, you know, one of their riders or one of their brothers and he's got apparently he's been missing for a long time and has been living a life that was taken from him and we find out that i guess the majority of this story is going to be about death and about him getting revenge for a life that he had led while every while his brothers and sister were underground awaiting their next mm-hmm. you know uh rising so yeah. to speak yeah. am i getting this right or I am i talking i think so okay. yeah yeah i think I, yeah
1: but i think
2: th- sorry
1: no that's yeah, fine go, go, no, go i ahead. just
2: um i mean I'm absorbing what you're saying because I that was one of the books I read today. Um, but for me, it was instantaneously like one of those things where I'm like, oh, I'm going to wait for this to be in trade mm-hmm. because it is going to be hella confusing to read <laughs> until it's all collected. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to it's interesting. But do I have a single clue what's going on? Not really.
0: <laughs> well, I think it's interesting. Um, I mean, I definitely have a good grasp on what's going on. I don't think I have all the pieces, but... Um,
1: well, I don't think all the pieces are there yet. No, no, no. To no, have, so. no, of course not. But yeah. um,
0: I think it's interesting that the solicits or the... I mean, perhaps it was just for the first issue, but I think the the story that they gave you, the synopsis they gave you for the series is what happens, is like just a tiny part of what happens in this mm-hmm. first issue... So the whole rest of what's going to go on within this series is a complete and total mystery to me. Yeah. Um which I'm very very excited about. Uh the idea that they didn't tell us everything that's going to happen or things down the road um excites me.
3: Yeah. Now, so I agree with Stephanie only in that having just reread uh the Hickman Fantastic 4 run before he came on, mm-hmm. reading 30 issues in a lump like that was a was a much different payoff than reading them mm-hmm. monthly. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean by all means this is going to be something that when it's all collected and you go through it, I mean it's going to be far more epic and comprehensive. I just I know for a fact that when it comes out, I'm not going to be able to keep myself from from reading it issue by issue. Right, yeah. Um but I know for a fact just like Hickman's Avengers right now that it's also a book that I'm going to have to go back and when I mm. do get the new issue, I'm going to have to reread just stuff like Mind, uh, Mind the Gap is mm-hmm. another book that every time one of them comes out, I have to go back at least three or four issues to refresh my memory of everything going on.
2: Yeah. See, that's what I don't have time for, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I mean, I love reading comics, don't get me wrong, but I don't have time to go back and read the same issues over and over and over again to get like a comprehensive idea of what's going on. Mm -hmm. If you can't convey to me in like one reading what's going on, like, I mean, that doesn't make it a bad story. And I'm not trying to say that. I mean, I do kind of have ADD, but I'm not (laughs) trying to say say that that's a bad thing. But for me, when I have a lot going on in my everyday life and when I sit down to try and read something, I want to enjoy it and not strain my mind.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I mean, that's, that's perfect. I, yeah, it's just not what you're looking for in a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah,
2: and that's, again, that's, I, I knew this would bree right up Steve's alley, and that's totally not anything bad. Like, it just is very much Gee, a Steve book. <laughs> like, you love rereading stuff over and over again, and that's perfectly fine, but, like, yeah. I, I'll read it in trade, for sure.
0: I like things that I, I sit there, and I like, just the same reason that I love Morning Glories and, um... I a couple months back, I watched a, a film called Stay that came out several years ago.
2: Oh, yeah, with Ryan Gosling and Naomi. Yeah, Lynch.
0: and that, to me, I mean, first of all, great, great movie. Um, that was something that the whole movie, I had only a thin grasp on what was going on, and then within the final moments of it, the movie completely doesn't turn things around on you, but gives you a completely different perspective of what might have been going on. Um, And it completely just amped the movie up on, like, the chart of movies that I love. It it skyrocketed it up to, you know, higher numbers. I like stuff that I have to sit and I have to wonder about, and I can chew on it for a couple of days. I do agree that something like this is much, much better read in a collection. I agree 110%. I just, I don't have the wherewithal to not partake Mm -hmm in it yeah. while it's going on. That's just me.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I loved it. I, I think that, first of all, I think it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous book to look oh, at. It's beautiful. Both in Nick Dragata's art and just the layout and kind of the paper they printed on, you know, all of those things that the are... Colors, too. Colors, Martin's too. Colors are just yeah. gorgeous. All of those little things, they make the book just a gorgeous into experience and, you know, um, what I love about stories like this is that for about two-thirds of the book... I'm kind of, my mind is grasping at what what's going on. Like, what has this been to this? What is this random flashback page? What are these three kids talking about in comparison to what's going on? There's obviously a, like, this, they have something to do with each other, but, you know, what's the exact connection? Who is this guy? What does this mean? What does that mean? And then I think it does a great job in that last third of the book. It starts to fall into place in my mind, you know? Mm-hmm. And whether or not it's the book or just the amount I've been thinking about it as I've been reading, and it just, the, the fruits of that, come out together but by the end of the book i had you know not a a good grasp on what the whole story was going to be but i had a better grasp of okay this is who this is this is who that is this is what's going on this is what you know this is the the the, this is these are the stakes uh, of the story that i'm reading and i like things like that you know it makes you work for it but in the end it gives it to you is it going to be tough to read issue two of east of west without reading issue one of east of west oh yeah uh, right next to it it's gonna be incredibly tough um and to that token, I agree with Steve and Bob and with Stephanie. He said reading in a trade is probably would probably be the more efficient and effective way to read it. But much like Steve, I you know I read these first issues of these, of these indie books, being like, okay, if I really really love it, then I'm going to probably buy it every every month. Or if I read it and I love it, but I'm like, you know what, I can I can wait till it's collected. Uh, I'll do that. It's one of those books I'm gonna have to read every month because. I'm so intrigued about w- where the story is going mm-hmm. and how the storytelling is going to lay itself out. That's what, you know, the, the storytelling he's doing, I, I think, is, you know, staggering in, in its complexity, and that's not always something I'm looking for every, every book, but to have a book that's like that, you know, I take a deep breath. Well, yeah, open well, that's, East a, of West that's, that's what it, I do. You know? you know, like when I'm making
0: yeah. my reading pile, I mean, it's not like... I, you know, I didn't pick this up right away because I knew that it was going to mm. be like a brain buster and you have to be in the mood for that. Sometimes you won't get to it for a day or two because yeah. you just want to have some fun. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with the amount of books that I that I pick up, I have plenty of books to to do that. With something like this, if I want to sit down and I want to get like cerebral, I want to grab mm-hmm. myself a drink and I want to pine over something. This is the kind of book that will do that for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and lastly, I just I really, really dug the characters All between the children and the the party, the crow and the wolf Mm. that death is kind of riding around with. Yeah, just a really, really commanding presence uh, on the page, and I was actually quite fearful of them. And I don't really get that from comics in general or comic book characters. I was genuinely unnerved by uh, pretty much everyone involved in this, in that came from the apocalypse. Mm Uh so I, I enjoy the shit out of it. So that's my book of the week. Mm.
1: Yeah. Ah. Uh
3: Bob, what about you? Sure. Really quickly to prepare for the uh Miss Fury that Dynamite is putting out. They've been Ooh, using I'm her excited. in in masks. I'm uh we're gonna see. I'm a little apprehensive because of the way that some of the blurbs were written about anger and rage and So I'm a little concerned because she wasn't that before, but I pulled a book off my shelf that I actually bought back at Comic-Con but haven't gotten to yet because it's the uh, Pure Imaginations reprinted the first three timely comic books, which are the actual origin stories of the original Miss Fury. She Black Fury in the first few issues until there's a male impersonator (laughs) (laughs) playing her. So it's it's Tarpe Mills Originals. This is a gorgeous-looking book. It's... uh, in terms of the art, the problem is the reproduction of some of it, not so hot. It's kind of a muddy black and white. Mm-hmm. But it, I bought this for $10. It actually covered for 25 But if you can find it you know, in your local store, hiding out in the bin somewhere, it might be 6 or $7. I think I bought this for 8 at the con. Mm-hmm. But it's a nice way to play catch-up and see whether they'll be accurate to what's going on. The shame mm-hmm. of it is the masks version of Miss Fury has been perfectly spot-on, mm-hmm. accurate to whatever. You've been reading masks at all, Stephanie?
2: I haven't. Um, I have all the issues, but again, it's one of the ones I'm behind okay. on.
3: <laughs> but it'll be, you'll be a nice little introduction to that. Or if you pick up this Pure Imagination one, just came out in 2007. All the some of that's online. Or okay. the, you know, the Trina Robbins big giant mm-hmm. collection. But that takes place about three, four years later in the strips' history. So that's that one. And then uh, A plus X. I know there are gasps going across the internet <laughs> as I say this.
2: No, I was just
3: thinking that. Yes, I've been enjoying that series. Just for the record, I think it's fun. It is a. (laughs) In this particular issue, uh, I was just attracted by that we've got Captain Marvel on the cover, but more than anything else. And okay, Patrick, it's not because Gambit's on the cover too, but he is in this (laughs) issue. Uh, Peter David writing. uh, This is the old poker issue. So it's, it's Carol and, and Logan playing poker and trying to bluff each other and getting into an argument over a line from Angel yeah, about who would awesome. win in a fight, you know, cowboys or astronauts. No,
1: cavemen or astronauts. Cavemen Bob. or astronauts.
3: I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, why am I I'm thinking cowboys and aliens or whatever the movie was? Um, it gets to a lovely discussion of the various attributes of both and then, in a the sense, these two characters mm-hmm. who act them out Peter's typical great humor, but great character work within it, and then a nice little surprise at the end that just goes somewhere crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then a second story, which is Gambit and Ben Grimm in, an, in a, another card game-related mm. thing with the Yancey Street gangs that is very funny, takes a couple of different terms all together in the way they met, and you know mm. Gambit gets on the bad end of in time, which isn't so good for him. <laughs> but he's really handled... Much better here than he is in the book we were reading <laughs> previously, I thought. But, uh, and that was done in this case by, now I can't read my own handwriting. So I know I it's Stefano the
1: Caselli is the, is the uh, artist on the...
3: And it is Mike Costa, okay. who does a really nice job capturing Ben's street lingo. And, mm. and he would play cards with the Ancy Street <laughs> Gang. So, yeah, i shocked I picked this up. I gambled, and it worked out.
1: Yeah, so. I mean, I read it too. It was definitely it, it, the the first story was very good and had a lot of humor to it, and uh, I thought the second story was was fine. It, the second story was more just like one big like, haha, like a, it was like a one big kind of setup mm-hmm. and joke. Uh, whereas I, I think the first story has a little, a little bit more of a, a layer to it. But yeah, no, it was it was a lot of fun, and I'm glad yeah. I, I read it. It's I like the idea of the team up book thing, you know, um, and I. You know, Rob, you know, obviously has said that a bunch of them have been actually been pretty good. And you've been reading them, too, right? Yeah. Uh, And they've been good. I enjoy them.
0: It's, you know, it's the thing that we talk about or that that I've mentioned where it's kind of little snippets, little stories of uh, sometimes oddly paired heroes and characters. And sometimes it's their day off. Sometimes it's just a small mission. Sometimes it's going to pick up their groceries. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, they're often very funny and honestly they're they're harmless in a sense of that they're really short, and you know some of them are hit or hit or miss, mm-hmm. but the ones that I've enjoyed I've really enjoyed, and then
3: there are ones that I don't even remember that they did right so yeah, well, <laughs> you know it, because it's they're all just one offs the mm-hmm. thing is you like a character, yeah. Pick it up, try it, look it at it. The store, right. the art meets your fancy. Go for it.
0: It's mm. more about the pairings and them kind of taking each other down a peg, much like the Wolverine yeah. and uh, you know Carol Danvers story. Mm. Uh, they've done. I mean, there was one with Dupe and Iron Fist <laughs> that was absolutely hilarious, mm-hmm. uh, and still my favorite one uh, to this day was Black Widow and I believe Rogue going to the salon and having a Sentinel come in and trash the place and they're supposed to be it's supposed to be their day off and they've got to take care of it and then by the end just it's funny Mm -hmm. it's funny it's a good laugh i don't know
1: i enjoy it absolutely yeah cool that that's it for me all right um really quick uh well we we spoke a little bit about age of ultron number three when i was talking about the other story uh i i thought it was uh quite good um Again, but this the whole issue is really about the twist that happens at the end of it. So it's tough to talk about. I'm sure when Age of Ultron is wrapped up, we'll be able to have a longer discussion about uh, what we think of the series and how that's going. But it's a cool, it's a very cool reveal at the end of the issue. Um, and there's some neat, especially there's some cool, really nice Red Hulk stuff in, in the issue. Some really funny banter between him and Taskmaster who yeah. has been popping up all over the place yeah. uh, uh, recently yeah. um, where he calls, he keeps calling him, he uh, <laughs> keeps calling him like Peter or something. And Dave. He's like, Dave, Dave, Dave. Mm-hmm. My name's not Dave. He's like, well, I'm not calling you red Hulk, <laughs> 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 which made me laugh. It was, it was a good, nice little moment inside a you know, obviously a very dark uh, setting.
2: You know what? Like I'm actually enjoying this now. Um, cool. I did not like that first issue. Mm-hmm. The second issue was okay, but I really liked the third issue.
1: Nice. Yeah. So
2: I might stick with this for a couple more and see if it goes one way or the other for me. But the yeah. third issue really got me.
1: Yeah, it's a nice uh, Luke Cage, uh, She Hulk uh, moments in-, in there as well, yeah. which I which I really enjoyed. Um, Young Avengers number three really good really fun awesome Uh, you know it has a ton of action but also just a ton of laughs and and the book looks unbelievable Uh, so I'm really excited about where that goes it's tough to talk about because we're right in the middle of a story and I don't want to spoil anything for anybody Um, Guardians of the Galaxy
0: yeah uh,
1: number one which I absolutely loved Uh, big romping space adventure Uh, after reading this first issue really smart that Iron Man is part of the team because it allows you a Mm -hmm. way in with a character that you know, you know, and he kind of lets you into this world with these characters that you don't, you're not that familiar with. Um, Huge, big action scene, really great like space opera stuff, you know, you know, uh, when the, when the guardians come out to Iron Man's rescue and kind of take on this force that's invading, uh, just some really stuff that you don't, I've hadn't seen in other comic books uh, that I've been reading recently. Uh, and you mix that up with this really great scene at the beginning where Peter is kind of hitting on a girl in a bar and, you know, his dad walks in on him, uh, mm-hmm. which is just really funny and has a lot of real character dynamics in it, um, but all in this kind of big shell. Uh, Stephanie, did you read it?
2: Yeah, I was actually going to comment on that part, like my favorite part of that conversation. And again, this is about spoilers, but, you know, he's hitting on this girl and is like jealous.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is very um, jealous.
2: I liked it a lot. I have no like prior knowledge of these characters other than what was spoke about when they announced that they were doing the movie. Mm-hmm. So for me this was a really nice introduction into them and kind of a slow here's who's in this, this is what you need to know. Yeah. Um and Rocket Raccoon he is <laughs> he is a wily little sucker. He is. He absolutely is. <laughs> a wascally is. rodent. I was gonna say wabbit, he's not a wabbit. No, he's not but I I enjoy it and I like the art and the story's fun and I think as long as it doesn't take itself too seriously mm-hmm. I think it'll be a really good book to read that's kind of in between some of the other stuff that's either like really serious and like just ridiculous like something like Deadpool so
1: right yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah and they said that the art Steve McNiven the art is just it's gorgeous. Um really excited about that book uh and really stoked to see where it goes in the future. Uh my book of the week though is uh Green Hornet uh number 1 uh by Mark Wade. Um and uh, the uh I you know I wrote, wrote my review that I've read a couple of these pulp hero um stories over the last year or so, two years that we've been doing this and you know, I have a kind of academic interest in them in a lot of ways. Like, I think it's a, it's interesting to read these characters that are, a lot of times, the roots of a lot of characters that we love now. Um, but there there always seems to be, to, just for me, I always feel like either I'm missing something or there's an awful lot of fan service happening to be like, look, we know about this stuff that happened in the radio serials mm-hmm. or the old strips or whatever. And I always feel detached from the characters. Um but this book, uh, with with Mark Wade writing it, you know, it, it does, he does what he does in Daredevil, he does what he does in Hulk, he does in everything he does, the Rocketeer, which is you, you just you like the characters instantly, you know, uh, and, and that's really what he focuses on. And also, he lays all of the pipe he needs to with this is this is how the character became who he was, this is what he's gone through, this is who Cato is, this is his job. But he does it all without it feeling like he's giving you exposition it's Actually, all sorry oh, stephanie go ahead
2: i just kind of well i'll let you finish your point but i kind of have something to say specifically about that
1: but. okay um it, to me they're all highlights of moments that are happening he's, he uses backstory to accentuate moments in the now and you know i i really really you know connect with that as a reader reading what's going on um and his stuff stephanie go ahead and uh make your point
2: I I see what you're saying about it, but for me, this issue felt more like a zero issue to me because it was a lot of reiteration about what's going on. Um, It was kind of like a borderline first issue and then a zero issue because there was new stuff, but there was a lot of, this is what I do. This is me. And I felt like it was one of those recaps on a TV show where, like, last time on Green Hornet. And I don't know. I. I felt like they were trying really hard to kind of shove a lot of information in your face at once. Um, I I can see how, you know, it could go either way for the reader. Mm-hmm. But and I did like the issue, but to me it just disagreeing with that point specifically. I just felt like it should have been maybe more of a origin or like not an origin. It wasn't really an origin, but just zero. Mm-hmm. Zero issue. We'll
3: leave it at that. <laughs> right. Now, see, I have lots of history with this character. Mm-hmm. I mean, first I, I encountered it as, as the television show with Van Williams, mm-hmm. but then actually bought record albums of the old radio show, uh, seen the old serials. And to me, as there could, could be to me more reiteration because I know this stuff, I thought it was presented to me in a nice organic way. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's who Britt Reed. Is and why he does what he does. Mm -hmm. And callbacks to things from the serials, things from TV, things from the radio show, throwing the, you know, that shadow guy in New York. Yeah. You know, the Lone
2: Ranger thing. Yeah. Well,
3: that's his, you know, as you know, because you've had the question I sent out to you, you know, he's his grandnephew. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, Uh, yeah. I totally knew that because of that. And I was like, Bob taught me that. Bob taught me that. (laughs)
3: Um, It's, you know, it's just really, really well done. The characters are nicely delineated. He he fights. He's he's a superhero, but he fights Main Street criminals and corrupt mm-hmm. politicians. The, those characters in that period—that's all they did. That's why mask works so well. They've found a way to ramp that up even a little with sort of American Nazis. But here you even get a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. What's going on next issue? I want to know. We have the next next week in the yeah. Green Hornet. Yeah, you know, we've got that too. So, I I see what you're saying, Stephanie. That maybe they should have thrown a zero on this cover to made a. Felt differently in the current marketplace, but I think as an issue of a comic, if you put no number on the cover, I think this was a success.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. sorry, Stephanie, go ahead. No, go ahead.
2: I did enjoy it overall. I just felt like it was more of um, an information, like, like offload onto the new readers who are just getting into the Green Hornet for the first time, than it was, um, you know, just a fresh. This is the arc that you're going to get coming mm-hmm.
1: up. And absolutely, there is there is a lot less story in this issue than there is just character. You know, it's just really about telling you who this character is. And I fully recognize there's a lot of information there, but for me, it never, no, it felt um, tedious. You know, it all it all felt I was interested in everything that he was telling me. And um, what struck me, even though I know this about the character, the kind of fresh aspect. It's almost even though it's such an old concept, because the character is so old. Uh, of him being a superhero pretends to be a villain you know it, it's it's not really out there right, right now you know and so it's it's a cool way in it's a it's a it 's a different thing even though it 's been the character for however many years um it's a it's fresh in what 's going on right now and i'm interested to see how that all plays out um and i do want to say the art by daniel indro i guess is how you say his name what was Beautiful. I don't know who he is. I've never seen anything he's done before. Uh, Really, really detailed. I thought he handled the the very some of the some extremely complicated pages, like layout pages, very, very well. Um, And you know, it was. I wasn't coming to it for the art. I was coming to it for Mark Wade. But leaving it, I'm excited about the artist also going forward. I don't know how long Wade's going to be on the book, but I'm excited to see what happens. And I like the fact that he uh, alludes to the larger kind of dynamite. Universe, um, mm-hmm. and not just that the sea is, because you might maybe the shadow will show up at some point. Maybe you know whoever will show up. Mm-hmm. So that would be that would be cool as well. Be fun, yeah. Um, so that's it for the book of the week. We're gonna take a short break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna do some listener questions, and we are going to uh, obviously tell you what it's gonna be on the shelves today. And before we get into some listener uh, questions, uh, Stephanie, you watched the Wolverine trailer. Give us your enlightening commentary.
2: <laughs> well, you guys got to hear like my actual commentary as I listened to it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about it. It kind of seems a bit generic. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's scene you're talking about now, Steve, where he's on the train, but it actually looks like a really hokey, like martial arts movie where he's just like flying along the top of the train and he's gonna like you know be flying there for like the next like two minutes of the film <laughs> and then he's finally gonna just like stop in midair and kick something mm-hmm. so style. yeah i don't know we had like japanese hawkeye in there and there was jean gray and some sexy like nurse <laughs> um who bob said kind of almost looked like scarlett johansson i was about to call her ScarJo, but you know whatever you only call know. you
1: only call her that when you're hanging out you don't call her that in yeah. m- mixed company
2: I don't want you guys to get like you know the wrong idea about like our friendship uh, right <laughs> I, I don't know that doesn't even make sense but I don't know it I'll probably see it because you know reasons uh yes. but it's not something that's really so far just kind of it's just kind of like eh. Okay. if I had to choose between. The other stuff that was coming out this year which i can't currently think of versus that i would probably pick you know other things
1: good one that's let a, it be yes. known
0: that this is the episode <laughs> where stephanie and i actually agreed on something That's true
2: <laughs> i did yell at you though so. solidarity
0: <laughs> oui.
2: yeah it's kind of like and it sounded like the iron man music like from the trailer and
3: it could very
1: well have been
2: and it almost sounded like the mandarin for a moment there it's like Except he's not threatening Tony Stark. He's like giving. I think he was like auctioning off his sexy nurse.
1: (laughs) I don't think that's what he was doing. But good, good call on that one. (laughs) Definitely.
2: I was too busy making a commentary.
1: Yeah. Way to uh, way to pay attention to what was going on on screen.
3: (gasps) Shh, Bobby. Give you a really good commentary. (laughs) Her story may be more entertaining though.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Bobby, use your quiet voice. No, my quiet voice has not happened on the podcast. Your silent voice. It's all loud voice. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. So, back on the ranch. Back on the yeah. Back on the ranch. See, you're you're saying things that don't make any sense. All right, let's move on. Um, we got a couple of uh, listener uh, comments and questions uh, about us talking about minorities uh, in comics. Oh. And a couple, uh, this is John D left this on uh, the website at com, And he said, on the green lantern front, i really don't see why John Stewart's race plays into any of this. DC wanted to kill off a character and the writer disagreed and left the book. I understand there aren't a lot of minority superheroes in comics, but should all minority heroes be immune to being killed off? Isn't that, isn't this just calling attention to the fact that John Stewart is an African American character when it should just be about DC wanting to kill off a green lantern? I think if we want better quality in comics, we need to treat all our heroes similarly and make this a race issue. Make this a race issue for argument's sake, and not make this a race issue for argument's sake. Um, he corrected himself because he did write, "Make this yeah, a race uh, ar- ar- uh, issue." He, yeah. Bob, I think you even responded to him on the site. Yes, um, I did.
3: It, it's it, uh, as to we are not sure, uh, Joshua Fialkov, what his conversation was about. You mm-hmm. know why he decided to leave. If they were going to. He's, he's a talented writer If you had presented him Okay We We have an idea We can kill off this character And give you a grand exit And a wonderful death scene mm-hmm. What writer wouldn't want to write that Right And I just have the feeling They were doing it for the ratings mm-hmm. And he packed up and left him, Moved on to something else I mean, Why wouldn't he stay otherwise Right me? It's yeah. all speculation obviously
1: yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we had another... I'll read this other email, too, because it kind of ties in, in in a similar thing, and then we'll, we'll have a discussion about this. Uh, this is from Leon, and he said I, I, uh, he said, I agree that minorities are not represented in comics as well as they should be, but this is true of many entertainment medias. Uh, but I want to pose a thought. If people get angry because they kill off a black character, then the race issue will always continue to be there. As an artist, you cannot walk away from a book and say, I, I feel it's not right to kill such a character because he's a minority. Then the artist or writer has come into the book with a prejudice. The only way to stop this kind of prejudice is to treat a character as you would any other character. I am a, I am a minority as well, although I am not black. I personally do not care if I read a white character or a black character or any other character because as an individual, I identify not with someone's skin color, but with the same fears and loves that any other human identifies with. Of course, it would be nice to see any minority become the majority, but that will never happen until the minority of any race set themselves in a field of work and excel in it. This may be unfair, but at the end of the day, the individual who is putting forth his best should find comfort in his ability to be his best and not in his not in others' opinions of themselves. Um, so, obviously, and it's a tricky issue. Like we said before, yeah. we're all white, so it's kind of tough for us to speak uh, to this. Uh, I will say, it, you know, I don't think... I don't think it's the fact that because John Certa is black... Killing them off is is necessarily a big bigger deal because he's black, but like Bob said, you know it has to be for a good story reason. And again, we don't know what that reason was. We don't, you know, we don't know what happened. Apparently, it wasn't something they were too dedicated to because they already pulled back mm-hmm. on it. Uh, that's my issue. It's you know if you're going to do a, the storyline, unless it has something intrinsically to do with John Stewart and something to do with his past and his future and his present, and you give him the, a grand send off then you you have to look at it academically and be like okay there's all these other characters there's other green lanterns as well why don't we pick one of them you know and try to maintain this kind of you know reflecting the world in in our comic books rather than reflecting the world of a bunch of white people in 1940 who created all these characters yep. in the first place. So I, I think that's, the, that's where I come from. Stephanie, you weren't here you know, uh, last week when we talked about this story. The little bit we did talk about it. Um, but I, I, I'm sure you heard that Joshua Helfialkov walked off of uh, his Green Lantern books and the kind of supposed reason is that they were going to kill uh, the character of Jon Stewart off and this kind of sparked this diversity in comics uh, discussion. Um, but wh- what do you think about all this?
2: Um, I think, sorry, who made the second comment from on the site?
1: Um, the, the second was a uh, email from Leon.
2: Oh, okay. I really, there was a lot of really valid points, I think with, uh, that Leon said. And the foremost is the fact that we keep making it an issue. So it never goes away because people insist on like, you know, ripping off the scab. Mm-hmm. Like they can't just accept that these characters are being treated or aren't whatever. I mean, Damien was white. And he got killed off. Yes, that's true. Spoilers, everyone. But, I mean...
1: (laughs) It's not really... It's a status quo now, so it can't be a spoiler. But, But,
2: I mean, I don't think that people... It's a race issue when people make it a race issue. And it's the same thing for women in comics. Like, you know, a lot of... There is a lot of race issues and there's a lot of, like, sex issues, but the the big issue is that we keep making it an issue. So, until we kind of learn to just enjoy the books for what they are. I don't, I, it, it'll never go away.
1: I, I mean, yes and no. Uh, you know, if you look at just the bare numbers of the amount of, you know, minority, uh, characters, the the amount of, you know, decent female characters, the amount of creators who are female, the amount of creators who are, 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 you know, in, in minorities. Um, th- I think that's an issue uh, in in general, you know, and I, I, I'm not saying that the, the, that DC is racist for wanting to kill off Jon Stewart. I don't think that's I don't think that's what it is at all. I just think that it's uh, I, I think that it's not appreciating uh, I think their their brand and the power that they have, you know, uh, over a, a large group of people and a large group of younger people, you know. And I think that having role models of every you know creed, color, sex, you know, sexual orientation uh you know race, gender whatever it are is important, and if you take those away, then you need to kind of replace them because you 're not living in we 're not operating in a vacuum as much as we want it you want it to be creatively you 're not operating in a vacuum you know i mean
2: but if you have an issue with what I get what you're saying i 'm not trying to contradict that, but there's other creators that are doing stuff with uh like various characters like Marvel has miles and uh Oh, Monet from X Factor,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I mean, there's a lot of other. Um, if you're not liking what DC's doing with their characters, you can kind of venture outside of that. And I know that's not the foremost issue. It should just be, you know, that everyone's doing great stuff. But I mean, it's it's if you don't like what they're doing, don't support them.
3: Well, well sure, but yeah, the, the other thing is if there is still an inequity in the mm-hmm. distribution of minority of characters or whatever stripe Mm -hmm. uh, and in the creative aspect of it where the characters aren't even treated poorly one reason or another. uh, It needs to be pointed out till it sort of becomes something we don't see. And I don't think we've gotten to that point. I agree with you, Stephanie, that the more we talk about it, the the more it seems you're just talking about it to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there needs to be a point where we won't have to. Yeah, Yeah, I do agree with that. Yeah.
2: I do think, but there's a very fine line between mm-hmm. talking about it and making valid points and what we can do to change it versus people just bitching about it. No, oh, abs- absolutely. No,
1: absolutely. Yeah. No, and you, I think a conversation about it that doesn't include any constructive, mm-hmm. you know, dialogue, I think is pointless. You know, um, but I think that having a constructive dialogue about it is important because if, because uh, this seems more like an oversight by DC less than like a, a malicious attempt to eliminate mm-hmm. their African-American characters,
3: you know? I think at some point, though, they've done a few of these poorly, a few of them well. I yeah. I mean, the, the Batwoman thing has worked yeah. out very nicely. But then, you know, conversely, at around the same time, they didn't realize the impact of eliminating Oracle. hmm to replace her with as much as I love Batgirl, right. it's just another character kicking butt as mm-hmm. opposed to someone who stood for something very special mm-hmm. to an entire segment of the population who isn't represented at all.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean Steve, what do you what do you think about all this?
0: Um I mean it's difficult at this point to to chime in. I mean, everybody between the two emails and, you know, three of you guys, you just everybody put it so eloquently. I don't know how much more I can add. Um I kind of agree with a little bit of of everybody's opinion if not all of it. It's all very well spoken, well represented.
3: Um I'll give you $5 later. I just yeah, I'm endorsing my own podcast, my own my own uh, co-podcast
0: yeah. people, co-hosts as it were. Um I don't know. I it it disappoints me. I mean the whole the whole DC John Stewart thing. It disappoints me in their their lack of conviction in their story mm-hmm. and that it the fact that it even became a race issue I think is sad. Uh I think it's sad that as as human beings and as as consumers of entertainment that we haven't been able to put these things aside for the sake of a good story. Um that the immediate thing is to focus on the character's race as opposed to what that death will have for the universe upon which they reside. Mm-hmm and uh I think that people need to focus on that, uh especially the company more so I mean it just it's it feels to me like something, and I know lately in several podcasts that I've been kind of dogging on some of d c s decisions, not all of them, but some of them, but it just feels like another one of those throw it up into the air like almost like clay pigeons or something or mm-hmm. or the duck hunt with the stupid dog popping yeah. out of the grass and <laughs> Just it's I don't know where the hell I was going with that. I just it seems like these ideas that they get thrown up into the air, almost as if they know that they're going to get the reactions that they get for for publicity's sake to have them shot down and to the, then to a couple days later because the writer left you take the story away. Mm-hmm. It just it speaks to me of not having confidence in your own mm-hmm. properties and in your own decisions. Mm-hmm. That why if you know that I mean you can you can kind of gauge how fans are gonna react these days to a number of things. You know, you have fan bases, whole whole droves of people that go up in arms about things. That you have people in positions of of power that are making the decisions to release these things and to release these solicits, release this artwork and just what? She said release the Kraken. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> just I needed to carry stuff on. Stuff like with um Lovely. Well, it's uh Starfire from Red Hood and the Outlaws. Mm-hmm. Um you know, every time that I, I I open up that issue where she's she's on the beach <laughs> and she's like her hair is whipping. It's the she's, first issue, yeah. Yeah, she's barely wearing anything at all. And I just I just wonder like when they're sitting there and they go, "Yes." this is this is a good idea this is what we should do versus like the the need to sell a book versus the need to have the book be be good and represent if you're already having trouble with your female characters if you're already having trouble with your minority characters why do anything at this point to just put yourself deeper into the ground
1: yeah i mean my problem is more that the handling of it like I don't think they should. If there's good creative reasons behind things, I don't think they should be hamstrung at all about who they decide to kill off, who they decide to keep, what they mm-hmm. decide to do with anybody. If there's good, honest, creative reasoning behind it, that trumps everything. When right. it should, it should. When you're talking about a, a creative industry, it doesn't always. Business is obviously a factor. It, it needs to be, but I, I just think that like they handle it incredibly. Poorly,
0: right? But that's the that's my yeah. my thing about it. And that's why I'm getting so tripped up is because we'll probably never know what that story was going to no, be. We won't, you know. It went up into the air. Mm-hmm. It was there for a few days or however long they'd been yeah. working on it before they actually announced it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fialkov walked, and the story died. Mm-hmm. So it just becomes this thing that was it was a, a part of comic book news it mm-hmm. was kind of like a fart in the wind it yeah. just it was there and then it was gone yep. and ultimately it won't matter mm-hmm. and this is a whole story that goes untold that that in the end it didn't matter mm-hmm. that's my problem with mm-hmm. this whole yeah. thing is that we're we're being proposed stories that don't matter mm-hmm in the long run because they're not getting written, they're not getting done because right. they're not being handled properly. Right. You yeah. can tell a great story of a character regardless of race or gender so long as it's solid storytelling, you know? But mm-hmm. the way that they propose it and the what happens because of these I, these little snippets, we're going to kill a black dude and, you know, everybody, rawr, 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 and then they kill it and it's done and it's gone and there's no there's no explanation. There's no, well, this is what we were going to do. It was going to be good, and we were going to have him go out on a high note and blah, blah, blah. And it just ultimately ends up being a disappointment and nothing. And it's for, swept under the rug along with everything that ever went up and died within any company, not just DC, with anyone. And it's just, like, I would love to see these stories that never got told, like, come out in, like, a collection (laughs) Like they actually coalesce into something that exists. It'd be nice.
1: Um, I just think it's sad. Well, to be clear, I mean, this John Stewart story wasn't the story that Fialkov was working on. Mm -hmm. He's working on something else. And then they came to, this is a, this is a legend. This is all a legend. I don't want to, they changed it it on him. Then they said, we want you to do this. And he walked off the book. And so there was no, you know, the story wasn't written out. So who knows what that was going to be. But, um, it's an interesting topic and we'll we'll see what happens as, as we go along and see what DC does. Um, uh, we got an email here from uh, this is from Luciano, who is ah. a constant commenter on the site. We got an email from him, and he wants his, his email is twofold. He's talk about Marvel Unlimited, and he wants to chime in about the Angela issue that we discussed last week as well. Um, he said, uh, Hey, everyone, just wanted to say great work these past few weeks discussing some of the more intense subjects in comics. Um, there are so many things i love to discuss, but I'll keep it short. First off, have any of you purchased a subscription of Marvel Unlimited app yet? I was excited when I heard of this on the show and decided to give it a shot and was happy I did. I've already received my money's worth, having worked my way through much of the amazing run of Mr. Brubaker on Captain America. I also have a number of other series lined up. It all got me thinking about how much money I was saving. I order regularly from Amazon, but see little to no reason to now. I even canceled some pre-orders. I like collecting comics, but I won't spend money on something I already read. I'm also going to trim my pull as considerably as the stuff will be on the app soon enough." What are your thoughts on the subject? Do you think this will hurt or help uh, Marvel? Um, well, I don't think... I have not subscribed to the service yet. I, I plan on at least trying it out uh, for a month. Um, as far as double buying things, if you were buying trades of things that you already owned, I mean, you're, that's gravy anyway. I, I, don't, I don't think that you have anything to... You shouldn't feel any guilt over not (laughs) double buying books because you don't have to, that you're in no responsibility to do something like that. Um, I will say this, I mean, if you want to wait for those issues, you can go ahead, but it is at least a sixth month uh, waiting period for the issues hit the stands and when they go up on that Marvel Unlimited uh, subscription service. Um, So just be careful in that facet. Uh, What I think is, look, you're pre-paying Marvel a certain amount of money. um, That's on top of whatever books you're actually buying every week you're guaranteeing them an extra 5 to $10 a month that you wouldn't have spent on them anyway. So I would say, you know, I don't think it hurts them. I don't think they would do it if it hurt hurt them, but that's just my opinion about it. Uh, Stephanie, what do you think?
2: I um, pretty well just agree with you. You kind of summed up everything. I, I don't think it, I don't know. I, I don't think it hurts them. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, I don't really have anything else to really say oh, other yeah. than that.
3: And I think the six-month lag, as we've discussed, it doesn't kill the stores either. It no. still allows for those people who, I need to have it now. I can't wait six months to have the story spoiled. Mm-hmm. They'll go to mm-hmm. the store and get it. And yeah, this is a good way to test out other things. Yeah, reach back into the archives, find oh, I like that run. I'll buy more of that creator stuff or more of this character.
1: Yeah, I think it, I I I find always, but subscription services or, or stuff like this, you know. If I end up really loving something that I'm reading or a music that I'm listening to, like on Spotify, if I really love that stuff, I'll go out and buy it, you know, to, to have it and to support those people. And I think this is a good legal way to do that and an an inexpensive way, you know, to do it in a lot of ways. I want to go back and read all of Ed Brubaker's Captain America run, you know, I'd have to piece together trades, I'd have to spend a ton of money, and then maybe I maybe it's all in service of trying to catch up and start reading the new run you know so it just lets them have you know people being able to catch up and buying new books which is where they make all their money anyway mm-hmm. you know it's not like they're making a lot of money from books they already sold to comic book stores that you're no, buying they make, they make nothing you make it's, nothing yeah. so they're making more money for you know for them by basically paying for books that they wouldn't see a cut of anyway so um
3: there're less back issues around 2 in stores so Yeah, the, you know retailers are as we've had Rob here discuss on a much tighter margin than they once were, and they're very close to the best buying. They're not buying 50 extra copies, unless you're Midtown Comics, right. to throw on the shelf hoping someone wanders in. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's a good way to get around that.
1: Yeah, it is. Steve, anything to add? Uh,
0: just that I wish that I'd listened to Bobby and Stephanie and bought myself an iPad <laughs> instead <laughs> of a Galaxy Tab so that I could partake, because my Galaxy Tab is very clunky, and mm. I don't like it. Uh, if I had the iPad, I would probably indulge in this uh, Marvel Unlimited service. Unfortunately, until <laughs> that happens, I don't think that I will be uh, partaking. Uh-huh. However, I do think that is is a genius idea. And to not have to seek out single issues, if that's your thing, or to even spend all the money on trades and get everything right there, uh, I think is absolutely fantastic for anybody that loves comics, and I'll, I've said it before; I'll say it again. Any service that puts comics into people's hands and gets them to read, I am fully, I fully support it because that just leads to more comics and more characters being loved and more creators being uh, discovered. So, huzzah!
1: <laughs> Amen, huzzah, indeed. And he uh, on the Angela issue. Uh, Finally, I want to touch on the Angela discussion. I was a Spawn fan back in the day and will ever be a huge Todd McFarlane fan. While I can understand the right of Mr. Gaiman to want to utilize what is now his character, I find it both odd and in very poor taste that he would take the character to Marvel. To me, anyway, the intent was clearly to stick it to Todd. Why else would you take a character you fought years to win the rights to, to the least creator-owned friendly company in the business? Could he not have went to IDW or perhaps even Image or even Vertigo Comics? I'm sure we don't know all the details, but the but the optics of the situation have caused me to lose some of a respect for Mr. Gaiman. Take a care and keep up the good work. Luciano. Well,
2: hmm. I feel like it's pretty obvious why he didn't go to Image.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> like, I do, I do
2: see what he's saying.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Bobby, what do you want?
3: Uh, here's the thing. If you're looking at uh, Neil Gaiman trying to find a home for a character, perhaps creatively he thought that Marvel had more to offer mm-hmm. with that character. It does seem a little odd that that's where he went because then that's where they all left from in the first place. Right. Uh, but this has been such a contentious bit of business now for 15 years or whatever it is. Yeah. A lot of hard feelings on every side. So,
0: well, maybe it maybe that's the universe that he wanted for that character. Maybe that's the vision that he had. You know, mm-hmm. that he wouldn't be he wouldn't have been able to tell the story that he had had an idea for without that universe.
3: Could be,
1: and that's very possible. You know, listen, I don't know Neil Gaiman. I don't know Todd McFarlane. I I I don't see what Neil Gaiman gets out of sticking it to Todd McFarlane. I think Neil Gaiman is doing pretty well in his life. Right. And, you know, and I don't think he, you know, to to kind of attribute that sort of vile to him or not to him, you, you're kind of using a lot of conjecture to decide, right. or, 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 you know, to his, his
3: motivations. Um, he generally comes off as a very pacific fellow when yeah. you see him talking about any of these issues. You know, the, as we discussed last week, he gave money that he earned off the other characters. He got some back, gave it all to charity.
1: Yeah. And also... As far as Tom McFarlane goes, I don't think Tom McFarlane's sweating it that much either. The guy's a millionaire. <laughs> he, has, he has an empire yeah. in both comics, toys, you know, everything. Um I, I don't I, I I think that why Game and Shows Marvel, we don't know yet, obviously. And we had a, you know, uh, Super Bad Larry uh on Twitter. Super bad uh, you know, th- pose a question, you know, Angel Angelo's essentially an angel, and how does that fit into the Marvel universe? Like, how do we think that's gonna that's gonna work itself in? Because there's not really a a supernatural side to it in, in that way. Um, so I ran into Super
0: Bad Larry the other day. Oh, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> inside of uh, Tierno Nog, outside of uh, Penn Station. Wow. We went to um, Lauren Collig's, uh, fan of the show and friend, mm-hmm. la la la. We went to go see Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, and we got to meet uh, Larry and some of his family. Cool. And they were equally as charming and <laughs> had the the big personality that he brings with him everywhere. Yeah. Uh, it was awesome running into him.
1: Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's who who knows right now. We don't we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know, you know, what this is developing into. I mean, how do you see them incorporating an angelic side, Bob?
3: Well, if look, X-Factor is now featuring a storyline with four, you know, four or five different hell lords running right. around, <laughs> plenty of room for angels. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh We'll have to see. I would, I would say, you know, the only thing I would say is there's obviously you are, Luciano has some personal stake in what's happening here, and that's you know that's part of what makes the the engine go when it comes to comics or any sort of medium. But you know, I, I would stop from you know putting any personal accusations against somebody until you know all the, you know the story. It's tough to do that, but I, I don't see it as sticking it to him. But again, I don't have any connection to that character, so I don't, I don't know.
3: Well, as we discussed, that's the real issue. For those yeah. of us who don't have any, it's sort yeah. of, oh, doesn't mean anything. But just as you pointed out last week, yeah. the people who really loved Angela and Spawn.
1: Right. Yeah. we, we yeah. Obviously, Lashana was one of those people. Yeah. So I, I'm glad. Thank you for writing in because it's an opinion that we really haven't, don't uh, have here. So it, it's cool to get. Um, Got to take a little bit of break. I'm going to grab a glass of water and we'll be right back. All right, we are back. Um, sorry for that. Just needed to <coughs> get the throat a little... Uh, Lubricated, so we could finish. That up doesn't the look show. like
3: water to me, though. It, it is, is vodka. It You're actually an alcoholic, is alcoholic, Bobby. No, it
1: is water. It's a bottle of spring water from Seven Eleven that I got free with my sandwich. All right, so <laughs> deal with it. You ate a 7-Eleven sandwich and lived to tell the tale. Yeah, it was a good one. It was one of the deli fresh ones, you know. Oh. Um, with a side of food poisoning? Not with a side of food poisoning. I don't 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 get down on Seven Eleven. I've never gotten food poisoning once. I did.
3: Oh, really? Yeah, bad hot dog. Ended oh. Up
1: in the hospital. <laughs> the hot dogs. Well, I used to. <laughs> We when I was in high school. We used to drive out to this little par three out in this town called Riverhead, called Sandy Pond. It's a par three golf course, and there's a Seven Eleven right, uh, like this traffic circle right near it. And we used to stop there before we went there and got the, like the giant hot dogs with like, and we put like the you the know the the chili and the, chili the, and the it, yeah. onions oh, and the sauerkraut oh, and the mustard. Say, I feel like
2: I have food poisoning just from listening to
1: it, <laughs> at, the, at the end of playing The Nine holes, you really had to go to the bathroom. I <laughs> yeah, stick I to their measured. coffee and a buttered roll, mm. and I'm They're, good. Their coffee is good. I like their
0: coffee. It is very good. I have a
3: friend of mine, though. She has this wonderful theory that terrorists really want to strike at the heart of America. Mm-hmm. Poison 7-Eleven coffee, and no one <laughs> would be able to go to work, and our economy <laughs> would collapse.
1: <laughs> it's true, except for the places that don't have 7-Elevens. Where's that?
2: Everyone has Seven Eleven. No, not really, Canada has Seven Eleven.
1: Yeah, sporadically, but if you go to like Boston, but like Massachusetts, and really? not less, no, it's not a big thing in New England. Go to Pennsylvania, oh. they got the Wawa, they, the, and the Wawa is the best thing in the world. It's better than the 7-11. Wawa is pretty intense. Yeah, hmm. it's got like, like an, Tim Hortons. It's got an
0: awesome deli. Did you just say Tim Hortons.
1: Yeah. Oh God, don't you're gonna make me hungry.
0: Isn't Tim Hortons just like Dunkin' Donuts? No, 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 it's not. And I can say this now with confidence, because I've eaten there several times. Yeah, I have. <laughs> it's no,
2: no, I'm not. I'm not judging you. I know. I understand why I was like, when would you have eaten at Tim Hortons? But you visited Canada a couple of times recently. Yeah. Yes.
0: And it is it is good. Delightful. It is very good there. Um, their breakfast sandwiches are delicious, as are their donuts.
1: Well, no, I didn't mean like in quality. I meant in like the type of establishment. Like it's like a breakfast donut yeah. place. Yeah, there's a hell of a lot there. they're It's
2: classier than Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, it's
0: definitely. It's like right, you, you right. could sit down, you can eat. It's almost like a, like the atmosphere of. I don't want
2: chili in a bread bowl. <laughs> <So Nice>. It's.
0: <laughs> it's a little bit more. I, uh... Howard Johnson's. Yeah. <laughs> Actually. Wow. <laughs> um, um, I, I approve, though. It's very good.
2: And it's named after a hockey player, so it's like the ultimate Canadian. Although, staff. I will say,
0: their staff, no matter which one you go to, they're, Delightful. A, little, they're a little slow. Just a little bit.
1: Things run a little slow. Uh, yes, North. because We're-
2: everyone that works at McDonald's in the States is, like, brilliant.
1: <laughs> Not brilliant, but they move quickly. Yes, they do. <laughs> here and here in New York, it's, it's yeah. imperative. And they all yeah. go to high school together. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh speaking of Superman, uh <laughs> transition. <laughs> <Whee>! <laughs> so we did our big how to fix Superman show uh because we were recording last week which is good we That's, how, that's how I I wanted okay. to be um and we got a couple of responses about you know what we said. Uh this is from James. He says, uh only been listening to the show for a few weeks and loving it. Really enjoying hearing your views and opinions on various comic books. He's currently listening to the How to Fix Superman episode. I'm sure he's not actually listening to it right now, but when he wrote this email, he was currently listening to it. And I agree with everything Bob says about the character.
3: Very smart fellow. Uh,
1: <laughs> in, in my teens, when I was a new reader to comics, I was more interested in the grim, darker, or more relatable characters, um, Batman being my main introduction to comics, um, and, and also Straczynski's run on Amazing Spider-Man. I obviously knew who Superman was, but he didn't appeal to me at the time, and also not knowing what to read or where to start with the character. Especially living in the UK with no comic book stores nearby, but I did eventually decide to branch out and took a leap of faith into the Superman stories and mythos, and it really did pay off. Uh, great stories such as John Byrne's Man of Steel and his following run, uh, Superman for All Seasons from Jeff lobin and Tim Sale, Mark Wade's Birthright, and of course the amazing All Star Superman, among others. Uh, the characters and myth the character and mythos quickly became my favorite in comic books, and has remained so for the past five to six years. With Superman's character of hope and trust and inspiration outshining the dark, greedy characters, such as Batman or Spider-Man, who I still love, although I still haven't read Spider-Man since Brand New Day, I found something relatable in Superman and always trying to do the right thing. So my leap of, pay- my leap of faith paid off in the end and also taught to get me to give car- all characters a chance. And with the New 52 being my first time making a comic book poll list, that's what I did and I'm loving every page." I also must say I loved Grant Morrison's action comics run and it is well worth the read. It did confuse me partway through and I got lost, but I stuck with it and enjoyed each issue even more than the last. Everything starts coming together a lot more with issue 17 and even more so with issue 18. I've heard Morrison say that he loves the fairy tale aspects of Superman and that really comes through in his run. And the artwork by Rags Morales in issue 18 is some of my favorite, with incredible imagery of Superman falling to Earth. Um... Uh, and it, he loves the fact that he's giving the story about a hero that can accomplish the impossible uh, and uh, thanks for time for producing some great podcasts uh, regards James so thank you James we did ask for anyone who read Action to to write in uh, their opinions about it um, so thank you very much and he loves the John Byrne stuff yes, So there
3: you go <laughs> it's <laughs> good It's good for you very um, good yeah it's one for me
1: <laughs> one for you where's <laughs> um, the
3: big board yeah yeah <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> so, Stephanie, uh, you know, you weren't here last, last week, obviously, and we don't want to go into big explanation of it, but uh, what would you want to see out of a Superman comic?
2: <laughs> In a Superman comic? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not entirely familiar with... I mean, I am familiar with Superman as a character, but I honestly haven't read a whole variety of them. Like, I love Superman uh, Red Son. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's actually probably my favorite Superman comic. Mm. Um, but from a comic... Like, that's kind of tough to say for me, I guess. He's he's a serious character. Like, I don't think that I could t- see him being, like, kind of having a fun comic. To me, it would kind of be more grounded in um, who he is as a person. And I think that it would just have to be, uh, I think, very Brian Michael Bendis-y in the sense that it's very character-driven and very focused on you know building that up in our eyes and i'd like to see some more of like lois lane and maybe not be so like i don't know i don't know where i was going with that point actually
1: <laughs> oh, wow. but you want something be like character lower. driven character driven is what you're looking for
2: yeah um because I, again i just don't think that he could you couldn't be like wow man that superman book was fun i mean <laughs> it can be fun but i think his character's more grounded in a seriousness that wouldn't really translate to like humor
1: mm-hmm. if that makes sense? No, that abs- no, yeah. No, absolutely. Hmm. I think that makes sense. I I think that he's a character obviously his ideals are are very bright, but you know, he's a serious character. You don't see Superman being particularly
3: crack and wise. Uh, yeah, it's not Deadpool or Spidey or No, yeah. no, no. Hmm, exactly. Yeah.
2: So, um I Hmm... I'm not sure. I was going to say, like, what kind of team would bring me to it, but I don't really know. It's just sort of if I hear good things about something, I'm going to want to check it out. And there hasn't been anything Superman for a while that's been, like, made me want to go out and buy it and read it and take time away from the things that I already am enjoying and reading um, on a monthly basis or however often they come out.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, maybe if this movie does good, uh does good. Anyways, You're maybe Man of Steel is great <laughs> It'll make me kind of more inspired To go look for um, some other stories As I assume Will do with like lots of other people as well mm-hmm. So I don't know, we'll see uh,
1: I mean, are, are you obviously interested Do you think you'll read the Snyder Gently? <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, I guess
2: right there and then and there There's a team that would make me go read it
1: Right,
3: yeah, absolutely Answer Oh, I ha- I came up with one that you might like, Steph. You know? We were talking about, uh, you know, a dream team. Gail Simone, Amanda Connor.
2: That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Has a woman ever written Superman Gail- before?
3: Gail Simone. Mm-hmm.
2: Did she write him already?
3: Yeah. Yeah. For oh. action with John Byrne drawing.
2: You'll have to email me what those issues are so I can look them up. Okay. But yeah, no, that would actually be pretty awesome.
1: Um.
3: Thank you. That's two for me.
1: There you go. Clean
3: it up now. you have
2: a cookie by the end of the night? Yes. <laughs> or some whiskey?
1: Yeah. Both. <laughs> Dip that cookie right in the whiskey. Yep. Um, yep. <laughs> um, uh, our friend Ethan, who has written a couple times the last couple weeks, some very long. Uh, very well thought out messages. He wrote a very long post on the site about Superman and it's, it, it, and it's very well reasoned and, and very good. Mm-hmm. And Bob and him having a dialogue actually about the, the death of Superman, reign of Superman yes. thing. Um, I wanted to read part of it cause he, you know, he has, I, I believe it's in the comments for last week's show. And if you guys want to read the whole thing, I guys to go check it out. Cause it's a good conversation that they're having there. Um, he does mention an interesting creative team that I wanted to just bring up uh, post all his problems he thinks he has with, with the book and how he'd fix them. Um, he thinks the best person to solve this would be Neil Adams. Uh, he defined the DC style in the 70s, and to see what he could do with a modern Superman comic would be awesome. As for story, I keep thinking Jeff Johns, mainly because I love almost everything he has done with Green Lantern. But I found out here he did some writing for Superman on the new Krypton story arc. So I have to go with Steve Say. What? That's one for you. Ethan wants you to write Superman.
3: Okay. Yeah, so there you go. With Neil Adams' art, I'll buy that. (laughs) He really wrote that? Yeah,
1: he did. I'm not making (laughs) up a compliment for you. Are you you lying to me? (laughs) No. (laughs) That's
0: awesome. Thank you very much. Uh,
1: And then, again, he goes on to talk about uh, the Reign of the Superman story arc and and how um, it was one of two times he avidly read and was interested in Superman. Uh, and the other being um, the aforementioned John Byrne reboot, which he also loved very much. Um, I wish uh, Marvel and DC would uh, throw me a little. I <laughs> got a couple of people backing me on writing some of these things. <laughs> um, so, and he also says uh, the best multi-title story arc, what uh, this Rain the Superman thing. He said his favorite, only his only that trumps it is Blackest Night. For him. So, so good. That's another opinion uh, about Ray and the Superman. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's different from ours, but thank you very much, Ethan, uh, for writing in. Um, oh, and we had a right actually just a couple minutes ago. It's not a question, it's more a comment, um, and it's directed, if I can find it, which I have to find my email. Uh, oh, okay, here we go. This is from Coach, and he says, uh, um, Thanks for finally getting me to check out Saga. I read the first issue free on Comixology. I went back and bought number two. Then I went back for numbers three through 11. Nice. Fantastic. This is coming from a devoted superhero comic fan that has never ventured to the other side of the comic book store. Finally, I can now identify with Stephanie for the first time in a year of podcasts.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I think... Yay!
1: Yay, you! Get Get out the big board. One for Stephanie. (laughs) Um so thank you guys so much for writing in. Obviously, um let us know uh what you thought about what we talked about today, but also, you know, any other questions, comments, uh info at talkingcombooks.com, uh at talking comics on Twitter or Facebook.com slash uh talking comics. Um and right before we read the releases I wanna say that we do have an interview coming up uh with Greg Rucca. Uh should be out on Friday and uh, you guys really want to listen to it because that guy is awesome. He's fantastic. And nothing to do with us. Uh, he just gives these long, um, reasoned, well-thought-out, passionate answers that I, I think you guys are really going to be impressed with, and he gives a lot of insights that I haven't heard before. So Yeah,
2: he holds back nothing. You know, he yeah, no, he doesn't hold
1: back anything, uh, and so it's really great, and he's worked on every every big, you know, just about every big character, so mm-hmm. uh, definitely guys want to check that out. Um. What's on the shelves today? Uh, we have Hypernaturals, number 10, from Boom Studios. We have Planet of the Apes Cataclysm, number 8, and Polarity, number 1, which is actually written by the lead singer of the band Say Anything. Uh, so hmm. that's the notable thing about that book. Getting get a lot of press releases about it and stuff. It's safe: say,
2: <laughs> yay. But the last time I did that, I wound up really liking The Umbrella Academy, so I got go. nothing.
1: So you go. So you got to give the benefit of the doubt, Stephanie. Don't be so quick to judge.
2: I said that, Bobby. Keep up. (laughs) I'm
1: going to just hang up the Skype call on you. All right. uh, From Dark Horse Comics, Ape Sapien, Dark and Terrible, number one of three. I hear Uh, that's good.
3: I forgot where I heard that, though. Me! (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, We have uh, Last of Us, American Dreams, number one of four, which is a tie-in to the uh, game coming out. I cannot wait for that game in June. Um, we've got a Snow Angel, which is a one-shot, and uh, Star Wars Dark Times Fire, Fire Carrier, number three of five. Uh, from DC Comics, we have Action Comics, number 19, which is the one and only issue written by Andy Diggle uh, before he left. Sweet. Uh, Emmy, Commie Girls, number two. Animal Man, number 19. Awesome. Batwing, number 19. Uh, I believe New Creative Team and also New Batwing. Uh, so there you go on that Uh, Detective Comics number 19 which is I guess technically Detective Comics number 900
3: no big press release no big to do they've been
1: talking about it like you know uh, they've been at least like on their website and stuff I think it's gonna it's the gatefold cover oh
3: Uh, so I think they're gonna have something oh this
0: is the the, what would have been the WTF
3: yes this is the whole oh this whole month is the
0: WTF
1: month yeah ah yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, Detective Comics number nineteen though no, it's a it's oversized issue. It's a seven ninety nine issue. It's got backups and stuff oh. in it. Um might be worth doing. James Tinian wrote a backup in it as well. So oh, well. uh uh we got Dial H number eleven, um Earth Two number eleven, Ugh. uh Ferest number fourteen. Such a good cover. Uh Green Arrow number nineteen, Green Lantern number nineteen. Um we have Phantom Stranger number seven. Uh, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, number 32. Smallville Season 11, number 12. Stormwatch, number 19. Uh, Swamp Thing, number 19. Yes. Uh, And World's Finest, number 11. Sweet. Uh, From Dynamite, we have Army of Darkness, number 12. Dark Shadows, number 15. Lone Ranger, number 14. Uh, Masks, number five of eight. Yes. Miss Fury, number one. We'll see. Which has a lot of covers. Yes. Um, Uh... From IDW, we have Borderlands Origins, number three of four. Uh, Crawl to Me, hardcover. We have uh, G.I. Joe Special Missions, number two. Godzilla, The Half-Century War, number five of five. Uh, Joe Paluka number five of six. Yeah. Joe Palookas. Uh, yep. K- Kill Shakespeare, The Tide of Blood, number two. Um, Lock and Key Omega, number four. Sweet. Uh, Memorial, Imaginary Fiends, number two of three. Uh, we have Popeye number twelve, uh, Transformers Spotlight Trail Cutter number one. <laughs> so there you go. With that speaking of, I mentioned GI Joe before. I saw that movie. Yeah, yeah, it was and? a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I love The Rock. So yeah, you'll
1: love it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, you'll love it. Awesome.
2: I really enjoyed the first one. It was like just stupid fun. So I'm excited.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the The only thing, only criticism I'll give of the second one is that I wish. It sound really weird. I wish it was a little bit stupider. You know, there are times where it takes itself a little bit too seriously. But overall, it's a ton of fun and has you know some crazy cool action. Let's be
2: let's be real here, guys. You have The Rock in your movie. Yeah, <laughs> who isn't uh, really that bad of an actor?
1: He's not. He's he, great. He's and like in these kind of movies, he's perfect. You know, yeah. it's, he's perfect. Come um, on, the gameplay. Just
2: stay away from those Disney movies, The Rock.
1: Yeah, that's just that's the bad. That's the bad be stuff. Be in the
2: Fast and the Furious forever. Too yeah.
1: very. He will be in the Fast and the Furious forever. Yeah, there's another
0: one, and then there's a spin-off. <laughs> yeah. So there he you should go. be
3: Black Adam in a Captain yeah. Marvel movie. He's
1: that's been a rumor for a very long time. Oh my god. Uh from Image Comics, we have sixty eight Jungle Gym number one. Bedlam number six. Yeah. Uh Black Acre number five. What are you saying, Stephanie?
2: Oh no, sorry. It <laughs> cut out a bit. I wasn't trying to interrupt you. I said it sounds a bit like ninety nine Love Balloons. <laughs>
1: I don't know how. It's just a number (laughs) in front (laughs) front of words. Shut up. That's why. Yeah. Uh, Glory, number 34. Um, Great Pacific, number 6. Mice Templar, 4. Legend, number 1. Mind the Gap, number 9. Repossessed, number 4 of 4. Savage Dragon, number 186. Snapshot, number 3 of 4. Yes. Son of Merlin, number 3. Spawn, number 230. Super Dinosaur, number 18, Super and Dinosaur. Witchblade, number 165. Uh, from Marvel Comics, we have Age of Apocalypse, number 14, which is the final issue. Age of Ultron, number 4. yeah, All-New X-Men, number 10. Yeah. Um, we've got ooh, lots and lots of reprints. Castle, A Calm Before the Storm, number 4 of 5. Dark Tower, The Gunslinger, Evil Ground, number 1 of 2. Uh, Deadpool, number 7. Um, we've got Indestructible Hulk, number six, which is the first issue with Walt Simonson oh, sweet! on the art. Uh, we have got Red She-Hulk, number 64. That's been fun. Um, we've got Superior Spider-Man, number seven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thanos Rising, number one. Uh, sweet. From Jason Aaron. Uh, Venom, number 33. And Winter Soldier, number 17. Yeah. Um, from Valiant, big week for Valiant, because they've got Harbinger Wars, number one, coming out, which is their first big crossover, uh, sh- and Shadow Man, number six, comes out this week as well. Apparently, um, if everyone looking to jump in the Valiant stuff, apparently you don't have to be reading, have to have read the other series to jump in with Harbinger Wars, cool. uh, number one. Uh, from Zeniscope we have Grim Fairy Tales presents Robin Hood versus Red Riding Hood, uh, one shot. Seriously? Wow. Seriously. Uh and Grim Fairy Tales pre- presents the jungle book Last of the Species number two of five. Seriously. And Grim Fairy Tales presents <laughs> Unleashed number zero. Uh, so that is what is on the shelves uh, today. Um like I said, guys, email us info at com at talking comics on Twitter, uh Facebook.com slash talking comics. And of course, talkingcommentbooks.com is the website. Reviews, uh, where you can find the podcast, interviews, articles, you know, columns, everything you guys want to look for. Please come comment on the site. Like, like we've been doing, we're going to pull those comments into the show. We'll respond to you uh, on the site. And I want to thank everybody uh, for the participation on the site. We, it, it, we have all the people who are always commenting, but we've gotten a lot of new people in the last couple of weeks. And, and it's been really great to kind of incorporate you guys into that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um and that's that's it. Uh look for our interview with Greg Rucca on Friday as well. Uh my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Uh mine is at dead underscore anchorus. Stephanie?
2: I am Hello Cookie.
1: And Bob and Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. All right, guys. Like I said, that is it for Talking Comics for this week for Steve. Tim Horton's maple glaze y'all. Bob Costa Luego and Stephanie.
2: Their coffee is so bad.
1: It is. (laughs) (laughs) I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued.